Got a bit of a tickle in the throat. <laughs> Do you need to get it out? No, I'll just be coughing all day. <laughs> COVID. Oh, for sure. That's the thing we have to, like, go through a whole thing every day for the kids. Yeah. Like a questionnaire. And my favorite part is the, like, haven't traveled outside the country. <laughs> it's like, nope. Uh, not since yesterday. New technological developments have had as great an impact on our lives as these two idiots. Stop telling me you two are pretty good. Best in the company. Golly, I'm so impressed. You're talking about line of sight. Yeah, that's right, exactly. Welcome to Line of Sight. My name is Adam. My name is Nathan. And we made it. This is a 50 yeah. second episode. That's a whole year. That is something that our children will never listen to. But I like to pretend that they might one day. Yeah. Um, I don't think that mine will maybe i don't know <laughs> when we're dead maybe. if if we're still doing this when they're old enough to be listening to podcasts but they want to listen to podcasts i don't know if we'd I still be doing that. it if we were then maybe but i uh, yeah I'm, I'm not holding my breath no. um what are we doing today adam what are we talking about talking about movies today I yeah, I thought we'd change it up and talk about movies. Okay. Yeah. We're usually talking about books. Lots of lots of books. Politics. <laughs> Politics, books, gardening, pottery, cooking, that kind of thing. Yeah. Thought we'd change it up with movies. Um we're gonna talk about every movie we watched in the past year since we started the podcast. <laughs> that would be a stretch i wonder i wonder how many movies i've watched in a year well that's a good thing you've had a lighter box yeah you could easily find I, out. i'm sure since we started recording i have recorded every film i've watched i don't know yeah the only time i sometimes won't record is if it's like the sixth rewatch, but even those I'll watch <laughs> most of the time. I'll still put those in. Yeah. Um, there are some I omit, but this past month I definitely put in a few if I watched them pretty much beginning to end. Some that uh, my child requests to put on. Sometimes I'll log them just to. Uh, put it out there how garbage they are <laughs> or that if they're actually good then i'll i'll put it on but um there's definitely some that i'll just i'm not even gonna bother because i'm not paying attention it's not for me i don't want to sully my list too much uh, i have no problem selling my list i have problems selling my rating system <laughs> i don't think i'm doing that <laughs> no 
But it's almost like, don't you, like, didn't you put up, like, a Barbie one or yeah. something? See, that's good. See, I think that you should do stuff it's, like that. Yeah, for posterity. And then another one, and I think I might have, like, mentioned it in passing with Brad. Um, there was a Disney Channel movie called Teen Beach Movie mm-hmm. that I technically watched. I... I don't know if I actually saw the end, but it's like, I know how this ends and I've seen enough. Um, so I know I, I think I logged that one, but that one actually has people on there that like, I don't know when it came out, but they're adults now, like in their twenties maybe because time moves forward and, uh, they're like, yes, best Disney channel or what, what do they call them? Uh, DCOMs, Disney Channel Original Movie. <laughs> oh, boy. And there's too many people giving it a high rating, and I had to ground them a little bit and say, this is not a good movie. I don't care about your nostalgia and poor taste in Disney. That's not real Disney. Watch the the good stuff. So... Yeah, every now and then I do throw those in. And uh, I think so um, today we'll – I I changed my mind. We won't do the whole year. We'll just do the past month or so. Um, okay. Catch up from the last time when we were talking to Steve, which – did you fix the audio in that? Because <laughs> his – I don't know if it's the whole episode, but – there's definitely parts where his is a bit delayed, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I listened to the whole thing, but there are definitely parts. It sounds like uh, we're just cutting him off all the time because he's so delayed, it makes us sound early. <laughs> so we're just constantly cutting him off. <laughs> it could have just been us cutting him off, though. Um, yeah, so that was probably... July. Yeah, it's now September. At some stuff. Uh, yeah, July thirtieth. Hmm. I'll just start. I'll go first. Okay. July thirtieth. I logged Orca, the killer whale, created for the big screen in nineteen seventy seven, or released in nineteen seventy seven. Uh, heard about this movie, never really knew much about it, but it's definitely, uh, so Jaws came out in 1975, mm-hmm. I believe. Something and sounds then, right. <laughs> yeah, I think 75 is Jaws, 77 Star Wars. How I tend to remember it. This came out in 1977. It seems like it's a direct, uh... I don't know what the... It's not a rip-off, but, like, uh, answer... Not an answer to... I don't know. <laughs> but... A product This would not exist success. if Jaws didn't... It? Yeah, it's coming after that. And at the very beginning, actually, the orca kills a killer whale. Mm. I mean, a great shark. white shark. <laughs> so it's kind of making a point that it is... Uh, this is scarier than Jaws. I'll just say quickly, I'm not going to drag all these out, 
but I would recommend checking out the trailer because it's just like a description of an orca in this terrifying way from how trailers used to be. Hmm. The ancient Romans called him Orca Orcinus, Latin for bringer of death. He is without challenge the most powerful animal on the globe, the killer whale. Orca has 48 teeth set in two impressive rows. In some respects, the orca's intelligence may be even superior to man's. There's parts of it I like. The production design is pretty cool. They have lots of real whale shots in it. And there's like different combinations of things that I enjoyed quite a bit. Richard Harris is the main guy. So that alone scene, I was introduced to Richard Harris through Gladiator and The Count of Monte Cristo, but now going back and watching older movies like Juggernaut or now Orca, and you see him at a much younger man, and it's, uh, it's just interesting. His performance is pretty good. It gets a little crazy where they like know exactly what the Orca is thinking, but... Uh, and then he kind of goes insane with it, with his obsession to kill it. What in hell are you? And there's a kind of interesting climax up in the Arctic. And I wouldn't spoil anything more than that. I'd definitely check it out. It is no Jaws, but it is certainly not a bad movie. But it's not uh, reaching any new heights or anything like that. So, yeah. Orca. Orca is in Blackfish. Yeah. They use, I think it's just that trailer. They use clips. I think there's, oh, okay. they're, I don't know why, but it just comes up that. Uh, well, probably just like public perception. Yeah, something like that. So, um, I think it's that. It's either Blackfish or maybe it's in um, The Shark is Still Working the Jaws documentary and they're saying there were all these like things that came after, but I don't know. It could be one of those, but yeah, definitely one that when I saw that, I was like, this is a movie I would watch. <laughs> like just looks the cover alone really is awesome. Uh, cheesy, but like in a lovable way, <laughs> uh, a ridiculous way. And yeah, I'll. I request uh, a a borrow of that one. For sure. Talking about borrowing, you need to watch. What's uh, Sorcerer? Yeah, I. It's not as prominent. I used to have it on the shelf right by the TV, and now I think it's like in behind one of the doors. But it's with Rocky, and I keep. Um, because I watched the other ones with Brenda, I want it watch the fourth one with her too and every now and then i'll when we're gonna watch something together i'll pull out like a bunch of options and so far hasn't been picked (laughs) uh but we should just watch that together because i have the other one which i've not seen the wages of fear which is the original and we could do a whole episode yeah, Sorcerer, I know she won't watch. Um, I'll watch that on my own. But, uh, yeah, we we could 
do both of those. There's an episode. Okay. What have you been watching, Adam? So I think this one was before we recorded, but I hadn't logged it yet. So I missed talking about it. Um, But speaking of Rocky, I watched The Karate Kid, which is basically Rocky for adolescents. I wouldn't say kids, but yeah, I I had never seen it. I've seen parts. Yeah. I know a lot. Like I know the ending. Pretty much, yeah. Like does he do the crane mantis? Yeah, the crane kick because his legs hurt. Um, So yeah, that's why I didn't save that for like a you've never seen because I didn't think you had seen it either. But I bought um, a box set with the three Karate Kid movies. Um, there is a fourth one that now just showed up on Netflix with Hillary Swank as the next Karate Kid. Uh, I'm not in a rush to watch all of them. I, I just bought it because why not? I wouldn't just buy the first one or maybe I would buy the first one on its own. It is very good though. Uh, I can see why it, uh, is so popular and kind of has that place in pop culture. Everyone knows it. Um, it's a fun 80s movie. Um, and it is very much like Rocky. Uh, it's, it's got more karate in it than, it, than Rocky has boxing, I guess. So um, it's not exactly like it, but... Also not like as serious of a character study, but still like just the the structure of the movie. Um, I'm pretty sure that's like what they modeled it after. But yeah, like it, I like it more than Rocky. I'll say that the first one at least. Like, whoa, I I would rather watch the Karate Kid than the first Rocky, uh, just because it's more whoa. more fun. Um, I like the characters. Like I like. Um, Daniel more than I like Rocky, so I'd rather follow him around than <laughs> Rocky. Uh, as I said in that episode, I he's kind of like a dumb <laughs> oafish, <laughs> like he's kind of annoying to me in the first one, but uh, yeah, this one it I the one thing I didn't know was the um kind of romance in it, uh, Elizabeth Shue plays the romantic interest and she's like the he or he's like the poor kid and she's the rich kid kind of thing right (laughs) so they're from two different worlds they'll never work (laughs) kind of thing but uh, so it's like one of those feels kind of cliched at times but also for the time it was coming out probably hadn't been done as much so it was like, this is one of the ones that set those cliches. But I guess it goes back to like Romeo and Juliet. They're not like feuding or anything, but um, it was good. I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know if I'll check out this Cobra Kai show that's come out. Um, I've heard that it's really good and it's like this late sequel series to it where it focuses on the villain I guess you could call him 
the other kid that he's uh, up against. But uh, it's now on Netflix. I think it was an Amazon original, but it's uh, Amazon or Hulu maybe. But now it's on Netflix, which is weird. But uh, everyone's talking about it. Might check that one out. But Karate Kid, 1984. I give four stars. So I rate it the same as Rocky, but I I would prefer this one. Mm. Uh, did you watch Howard yet? Or are no. You planning to watch um, I did see that it came out. I added it to my list on Disney+. Plus. So I watched this because I'm quite interested in, as you know, as we both are, behind-the-scenes stuff with Disney in general, but Disney animation. So Howard is a documentary about Howard Ashman, uh, one of the key figures in the renaissance of Disney animation in the early 90s. And he played a pivotal role in Little Mermaid and Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast. And it's kind of, uh, it's only an hour and a half, but it's kind of, uh, well, it's a documentary on his life. And yeah, it was okay. It was by no means, I think the thing that it suffers from is two things. The lack of footage, obviously, because he wasn't famous till a certain part of his life. So it's just like anyone, like how if you were to do a documentary on me, you're not going to have much footage yeah. <laughs> of when I'm a kid. So it's just like, what do you show? So there's a lot of voice over and just like scanning over like old photos and like toys and things like that. You know what I mean? Like just like looking at like a kid's bedroom type of thing. So, and then also I feel like it suffers from a directorial decision to not have talking heads. Where it's like, I don't think there's any talking heads in it. Hmm. And then it's just like, I understand that people don't want to do that because it's done all the time for everything. But it's like, maybe it's done all the time for everything because it works and it's a necessary evil type of thing. And if you don't have this like crazy, uh, like that Apollo 11 movie, yeah, you found a bunch of footage and you're going to make another documentary of it, fine. But you don't have that, so what are you going to do? So there's just like a lot of just filming random things and like <laughs> scanning over a picture you know what I mean yeah. like it's just like very basic and this is the same guy Don Hahn or Han uh, and he directed the Waking Sleeping Beauty and he narrates it and it's good but it's just the content isn't there when it gets into his later life when uh it's the Disney stuff. I was definitely quite a bit uh, interested in that. And there's a few behind-the-scenes things where it's uh, 
Angela Lansbury and the guy from Law and Order that does Lumiere and they're singing together and they got the whole orchestra there and it's just fascinating because like they have no idea what this movie is gonna be mm-hmm. and you can just see the creative juices flowing and like everyone's working hard on this but they have no finished product in their hand right this they are creating it so like yeah it, that kind of stuff was awesome and but there wasn't a lot there that I didn't know before so it was all right and i think you said it's not new well apparently it says 2018 so on the letterbox but... year so i'm sure it was at some festival or something there but yeah, it was just released on uh, Disney Plus. Huh. I'll p- probably still watch it, but it's worth watching if you like. If you like musicals, or if you like behind the scenes Disney stuff, it's worth watching because the whole there's a whole history of him doing Broadway stuff or off Broadway stuff. And stuff like that, and it's interesting. But then, yeah. Wow. Uh, I don't. I think it's hindered by just the subject matter. Like you don't have enough content there. Does it suffer from them doing the like sugarcoating, like? Not wanting to speak ill of the dead kind of thing where it doesn't uh, really dig too deep. It doesn't, It I, I don't know. Like, obviously, I don't know because I don't know him, but it doesn't make him out to be perfect. Okay. But it doesn't make him out to be, like, a villain either. Yeah. It makes other people look pretty bad, but not, but bad in the nicest way in that, like, uh... How can you, like, the nicest alcoholic, you know? Not that he was, but people around him. And it's just like, oh, he just has a problem or whatever. Like, you don't really speak ill of these people, right? Even though they could have been jerks when <laughs> they weren't alive. But there's people around him that uh, don't seem to be the best all the time, but... And he was like, I like him a lot, just in that, like, people talk about, like, he knows what he wants. And uh, it's funny because there's one comment that said that he was very particular and specific in his direction. So he's coaching everyone to sing, right? Uh, And the voice actors. So it's just like, I've heard the opposite for George Lucas. Where it's like, let's try it again a little faster this time, a little slower, or whatever. And, like, you see Howard Ashman talking to, like, Jody Benson, and it's like, on this word, go up. <laughs> exactly at the end of it. Emphasize this syllable instead of this syllable. And, like, he knew exactly what he wanted. And I feel like people like that. Uh, can be creative geniuses, 
where I think of, I've brought this up before, but like Coen Brothers or Tarantino, where it's just like, if they know something is the right way to do it, it's, they don't care about people's feelings. It's like, <laughs> no, do it my way. And they're right. <laughs> like, if you're right, you're right. So, yeah, I'd check it out. I wouldn't really watch it again, though, but I would check it out for a one-time viewing. So not as good as Waking Sleeping Beauty? Not at all. Okay. I didn't realize it was the same guy. That would have made me want to watch it more, but now <laughs> I feel like I want to it's watch it less. It's worth watching, but, but I, yeah. it's just like... I'll watch it's it. like the Hobbit to Lord of the Rings. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's not you, not to watch it, but it's just you're taking. They've took the obvious subject matter of the whole story. Now they've trying to focus it on just one, this one guy, and you don't have as much content there. Right. Well, I I have a few themes for some of the movies. Um, my first three that I'm going to mention are all from 1984. Oh. So this next one um, was one of the ones that I purchased on our little day trip to uh, Scarborough. Picked up the Blu-ray for The Last Starfighter, which I was sure I had seen before. But watching it, it's like, other than the general concept, I don't recall anything that's happening. So either I did watch it but once and immediately forgot everything about it, which is possible. But there are some movies um, from that time when I was that age that I remember quite vividly, like Space Camp. Uh, and... Yeah, this did not stick with me, but watching it now, it's like, it's pretty good. It's not great. Uh, there's some cool things in it, but like overall, it's not, it's not as exciting as I would like it to be. Um, I just, I didn't feel myself getting too into it at a certain point, like, the beginning is pretty good setting things up and uh, just for anyone that doesn't know, it falls into a very specific 80s genre of video games recruiting children <laughs> for various things. Uh, there's a few movies like this where, yeah, like war games, um, I think Cloak and Dagger might have something to do with a video game. There's all these things where it's like a video game is more than just a video game and you either get sucked inside or recruited to the government or something. But this one, The Last Starfighter, I think the, the arcade game is called Starfighter or something. And um, it's in this trailer park where this guy lives. This uh, teenager, he's going to... he's trying to get a loan so he can go to college, I think is the thing. And then he doesn't get it. So he's all bummed about that, but he's playing the starfighter game and, and he beats it and gets the high score and everyone in the trailer park comes and cheers him on. And it's like it's such a simpler time when people were <laughs> so impressed by an arcade game. 
But then it turns out that this is a recruiting thing and someone from some other planet galaxy comes and uh, picks him up. Uh, the What's the character's name? He's played by Robert Preston from uh, The Music Man, which was a surprise. I didn't even notice that in the credits. So when he came out and I heard the voice, I was like, this is amazing <laughs> because I just love him. And all I can hear is the music man. I must congratulate you on your virtuoso performance, my boy. Centauri is impressed. I've seen him come and I've seen him go, but you're the best, my boy. Dazzling, light years ahead of the competition, which is why Centauri is here. He's got a little proposition for you. Are you interested? This is obviously like 20 years later or something. Uh, so he's a bit older. But uh, he never fails to put a f smile on my face. He's just like fast talking. Uh, he's kind of not a con artist, but like I guess in the plot, it's not like the big uh, starfighter military is actually doing this. It's like this guy just kind of doing it on his own and like headhunting these people so that he can get paid. So he's a little sleazy, but, like, he's still a good guy. Um, so he's entertaining. And I think why it drags is because it's like he shows up, picks up the guy, they go to this planet, and then he's like, no, I don't want to be a starfighter. And then he brings him back, and then the whole base gets blown up, and then he, he gets picked up again and goes, <laughs> and it's just like a whole lot of back and forth from Earth, and it's like... I kind of get it because, yeah, now he's the last Starfighter. Like, you kind of expect this because of the title. But it's also just like, I don't know, maybe it could have happened while he was on his way back. And I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little too nitpicky about that. But uh, it's still pretty cool. <clears throat> There's um, this whole subplot with his girlfriend. Uh, so when he gets picked up, Robert Preston leaves a beta unit behind and it's pretty cool because it's like a robot guy but at first he's like he's not fully formed like it's supposed to look like this uh I forget whatever the character's name is it's supposed to look like him but he's like I'm trying to remember what it even looks like it's it, it looks like a horror movie kind of because it's like it's making it's like a blank unit, but then it's it's forming into him. So when you see him, I don't think any of the people in the trailer park see him before he's fully formed. But it's that, that's a pretty cool concept. And then there's like this whole plot of him living his life so that uh, he can be off in outer space. But he's just like a robot that doesn't understand human things. Classic. Uh, yeah, and then it all works out in the end. There's a happy ending. Obviously, <laughs> with this movie, that's bound to happen. And uh, the only other thing I know this guy from, uh, I didn't recognize him at first, but he is uh, Michael Brody from Jaws the Revenge, which is just a classic Jaws sequel. <laughs> Possibly the worst Jaws movie, but three and four are pretty equally bad. 
Um, yeah, they. I like it. I know it's bad. It's it's laughably bad, but I love it <laughs> because it is bad. Uh, it's a fun watch. So that's like the only thing I know him from, and didn't recognize him because that's a few years later, and he has a beard in that. Um, and yeah, anyone else in this other than Robert Preston didn't recognize. Um, so I gave it a three because it was enjoyable, but it's like not super memorable. Like that's probably why I don't remember anything about it. But I I remembered liking it and I did like watching it, but it didn't uh, didn't spark anything in me to uh, to advertise for it <laughs> to really push. <laughs> Everyone needs to get on the last Starfighter. Uh, I feel like some people probably have some nostalgia for it, but uh, not me. It was it was good enough, not great. Uh, I watched Le Samurai, which is a French movie, uh, surprisingly, and it's about. Uh, let me just, sorry, I should have had this all ready to go here. Uh, Jean-Pierre Melville, famous French director. He's done a few other things that I've seen. And it's uh, about a hitman. And it's just like a weekend of his life, pretty much. Uh, and it's... At parts, a slow burn, <laughs> but it's interesting because it was in 1967, so it's in Paris, and it's just like him just doing things, like going, taking his car, and getting the license plates changed, and all these things, and like uh, stealing cars, going around, and then uh, the process of him creating an alibi for himself and all these things and he kills a guy and then they arrest him but then they have no proof and all these other things and it's quite interesting and the police procedural part was fascinating and uh yeah I quite enjoyed it uh I'm gonna probably hopefully it has commentary and check it out again. The reason that I actually watched this is because of Film Junk. Sean mentioned this is on his top 100 movies of all time. Hmm. It will not be on my top 100 movies of all time, but I could respect it for being something special and unique. I think uh, this director did uh, Army of Shadows as well, and I think I like the samurai more but yeah it's uh i'm beginning to like the french <laughs> more and more when i'm getting getting into i've watched another french movie also too so yeah if you can get by those subtitles it's just half my enjoyment of this was just like this is 1960s paris <laughs> and just like 
you're seeing it because he's going through there's a whole like chase on the subway or the metro as you were as you would as you were as you would <laughs> but uh yeah i i'm interested to look into it again uh yeah no spoilers but it is a uh, it's pretty good awesome um so my second no my third 1984 and yeah another common thing i'm noticing um average rating on all of these it was probably about a four gave a lot of fours for 1984 uh well two of them for 1984 but even just looking at the rest of my list it's probably the average there's a few threes but then a couple three four and a half to even it out um another four star from 1984 is footloose it is so good <laughs> like i've i've seen it lots of times watch it fairly regularly i don't know if it's once a year but like i've seen it a couple times in the past few years um and again like the karate kid 100 percent earns its status of being like this 80s classic and pop culture referenced thing like um my, so much so that my review <laughs> on letterboxd was quoting uh avengers infinity war star lord says is it still the greatest movie in history it never was but can you really blame him for thinking it was <laughs> because at the time i'm sure it was like this is amazing like it is not that corny and it could be like it definitely uh has every right to be but i think it's actually a good movie uh and if this was what teen movies were at the time that like this is what they should still be and i feel like uh that genre it's like written off as like yeah it can be dumb and just like throw in some some hot 20 year olds and say they're in high school and call it a day but like the whole concept of like dancing as outlawed isn't like a hundred percent accurate it's done in such a way that it's like believable and it's not this high concept thing of like you're arrested if you're caught dancing kind of thing. Like, I feel like that's what people think of it, but it is a good story. Things are revealed slowly about the past and why things they are the way they are. Um, Kevin Bacon is a pretty good lead. Like he's definitely watchable. Like it's not like he's the best part of it, but he's a good hero. Um, and then all the supporting cast is really good too. Um, his friend is played by Chris Penn, which is kind of weird because like Chris Penn, he's in like Reservoir Dogs and he's usually like this 
big burly guy, but like he's like a teenager in this. So he's kind of awkward. And uh, there's a fun little scene of Kevin Bacon teaching him to dance. <laughs> uh, but the thing about this movie that is like incredible that really elevates it is the soundtrack. Obviously, it's a dancing movie. You need to have good songs. But this isn't just good songs. These are like bangers. And like... The the main one is amazing. Like Footloose? Yeah. Yeah. So the thing about this, and I always forget it until I'm watching it. But there are like several... I, I think it's six... No, there's seven. Okay, I have it up. I just found it. Uh, there are seven songs that are original on the soundtrack for this. And they're all huge hits that like people recognize. So obviously Footloose. But then... Okay, this one I don't know. I'm Free. Brackets. Heaven Helps the Man. Let's hear it for the boy. It's a good one. Holding out for a hero, which is like amazing. <laughs> the hero like so good almost paradise That's your like top tier slow dance song. Um, Dancing in the sheets and somebody's eyes. So like of those, almost paradise, holding it for a hero. Let's hear it for the boy and Footloose. Like four huge hits, and I think at least two of those were number one. So Footloose and Let's Hear it for the Boy were both Billboard Hot 100 number ones. So pretty crazy that a movie has all these like original songs that like, like I said, most of those you could still hear on the radio today and they all work with the, what's going on in the scenes. So it's kind of cool that they reference Footloose in the first guardians of the galaxy, which is so like music heavy. It doesn't have any of these songs, but, uh, that was such a music heavy movie. Uh, and yeah, it's just great, great four star 
watch. Um, John Lithgow's in it. I love him. And he plays the preacher. So he's kind of the one enforcing the ban on... Uh, I forget if it's music or if it's just dancing. It's it's kind of fuzzy, but uh, he's the preacher and his daughter is uh, the one that is like a rebel and she's fallen for Ren, played by Kevin Bacon. And it's just a good time. Sarah Jessica Parker's in it, young uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. And then I forget who the mother Oh, yeah, the mother from uh, Gremlins plays um, Kevin Bacon's mom. And then the one, the preacher's wife is like, she's in uh, Edward Scissorhands and other things when she's older. But uh, I recommend it. Still good. Uh, I don't think I would recommend the remake. I know I've seen it and we own it. I kind of want to watch it now that I've watched this one again. Uh, there was a remake a couple years ago, but I'm pretty sure it's, it's not nowhere near as good. Uh, but yeah, definitely revisit this or visit it for the first time. If you haven't, <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen the remake too. Uh, don't really remember much, but uh, that's it. Uh, five bear, four, four. Ooh, you're a tough man to please. Well, it's uh, like it. It's not like life changing, no. but like it is a solid, solid film. Like four is uh, maybe yeah, maybe it could go higher. I don't know, but I was just I was grooving to it. Uh, you don't really even have to pay that much attention, <laughs> but no. like you get the gist of it. Like there's just fun scenes all throughout and good characters and good, great music. What more could you ask for? You couldn't, you couldn't ask for anything more. Uh, I watched a hidden life. Directed by Terrence Malick. It's a 2019 release. And I've been itching to watch this movie for a long time. Knowing that it was coming out and whatnot. Then I had it all ready to go looking. Blu-ray, Blu-ray, Blu-ray. I went, I've been to Bay Street Video. Saw it there. Blu-ray. $55. Dollars. For nothing special. Just Blu-ray, not even 4K? Not even a 4K. Criterion? and, and the <laughs> Not Criterion, not special boutique label or anything. Just normal. And, like, yeah, $55. So it's like, I can't do it. I wanted to do it. I can't do it. Because I don't even know if this is any good. So... It bit the bullet, and I went digital. I went digital, Adam. I did it. I don't, I'm not proud of myself, but I did it and bought it for, I believe, $15 <laughs> digitally, which is 
considerably less than $55. I prefer That's still to pretty have steep that. for digital, I feel. Well, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> uh, I have been looking more and more. We just had our physical media episode a few back, and I'm still way... I've not fallen off the wagon or got on the wagon, whatever the right phrase is. But I could see myself getting more and more digital when you look. There's uh, this website called Cheap Charts, and it'll just like you just look at it every day or every week, and you'll see things that are on uh, Apple iTunes for usually it's a ton of garbage but they'll always have at least a couple things in there that are quite cheap i did not buy them but all the uh batman the tim burton ones uh those four were on there for uh super cheap i think you could get all four for 15 dollars like two weeks ago for 4K digitally, and it's like, that's tempting. I didn't do it, but I could see myself doing stuff like that in the future, where it's like, eh, a $4 movie, okay. I'm restricted that it's uh, digital, but I could do it. But all that to say, I watched A Hit of Life by Terrence Malick. Uh, it will be... It's a significant moment in my life. I think that's our first digital copy thing I've ever bought. Like, I have digital copies, obviously, from buying Blu-rays. But first, I'm just buying this straight out. I own no physical copy of it. So that alone, something special in my life. Uh, A Hidden Life is a story about an Austrian farmer in the 1930s and 40s and he refuses to swear allegiance to Hitler and that is the premise of the movie the movie I believe is three hours long and it is gorgeous it is beautiful you need to watch the trailer It makes you just want to live your life happy and all the crap that's going on in the world and whatever. But it's just like the way he shoots things, I love. Like, it just makes me happy watching his movies, even when they're dealing with very serious topics. But, like, this man's family life, while not perfect, he's not putting that out there, but just like. Everything looks wonderful. They're uh, living life in this Austrian farm house, and like they're in the mountainside, and it's just insane. He's got two or three little girls, and he's always playing with them and doing all this stuff. He's a good dad, all this stuff. It was uh, my comment was. Uh, this look movie looks amazing and deals with things that matter. Rare for modern movies. Like him just sticking it to the Nazis and refusing to oblige. And I don't know if I could do what he did. Because 
he's not even really like all he has to do is say a few things and they'll kind of let him go so it's just like even if you don't believe it in your heart type of thing you just do it to move along but like to have the courage of your convictions and all these things and and it's there's so many other things that are excellent in it, just showing human nature, where some people just put their head down to get along, and then how people start treating his wife in town, and all this other stuff. It's uh, heart-wrenching and beautiful at the same time, and sad and lovely and everything, and this guy's, this guy's a maniac, Terrence Malick. <laughs> I gotta check it more. You gotta be in the right mood. I've only seen probably three or four of his movies. But, uh, they're... Yeah, I wanna... You've let me borrow a new world. I wanna check that out. And I want to rewatch A Thin Red Line. And Tree of Life is amazing. But, yeah. Glad I bought it. Still don't know if it's worth $60 on... <laughs> A non-special edition Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah. Would you buy it then? Like if you saw it cheaper or if it was If it was like 30 special. bucks, I well, maybe not now. If it was 30 bucks with a bunch of extra features and commentary, but I don't think he does commentary. He rarely does like any interviews at all. But if there was extra content, then I would get it. But if I essentially have the same thing, no. Yeah, highly recommend watching the trailer just to get a vibe of the movie. I can't swear loyalty to Hitler. I can't. Do you think your defiance will change the course of things? If God gives us free will, we're responsible for what we do, what we fail to do. I can't do what I believe is wrong. We have to stand up to evil. Whatever you do, I'm with you always. I'll check that out. Um, okay. I'm done with 1984, but related, another that I feel like is uh, another Rocky, in fact, there's a Rocky poster on the wall in this one, and I think it's the year after, this is from 1977, and for me to lead up with this saying it's another Rocky... I'm sure it will shock you, but Saturday Night Fever. Have you seen this movie? I have not seen this movie. I've seen parts, but I've not seen it. Um, didn't know what I was expecting, but did not get what I was expecting. Uh, this one is is more like Rocky than the karate kid like this pretty much is but with dancing and again there's more dancing than there is boxing in rocky but 
Uh, it's probably most famous for one scene when John Travolta is just cutting up the dance floor. Um, trying to think of which song it is because, again, and I'll get to it, but the soundtrack on this is incredible. Uh, I think it's maybe If I Can't Have You. That song is played a lot in the movie, but anyways, there's uh, one scene where it's just like he takes over the dance floor in this club and it's just, it's, it is what you think of when you think of disco. And uh, like this movie will get you into disco <laughs> because it's just, it's incredible. But yeah, not at all what I was expecting. It's so dark and gritty and vulgar and like there's like nudity and like so much uh like sexual references and uh stuff happening in the back seats of cars and like it's it was a shock but like it's again really good and uh I, i'm not that i'm surprised not more people are talking about it because it's like it's got problems and even looking at other people's reviews on letterbox like there's people saying about like all these things that are bad that are in it and whatever like sjw's but like it's kind of the point of the movie like it is a character study and you see a change in i think his name is johnny uh which is weird that keeps it simple yeah um or no, it's Tony. Uh, I think there is a Johnny. That sounds though. more realistic. Tony, yeah, it's it's Tony. I think uh, you see a change in him from the beginning to the end, and like, yeah, one specific review I saw, it's like women are treated so poorly in this movie, and it's like, yeah, that's not not that that's the point, but it's like there's representing like, reality. Yeah, like, and and it's the time and the scene. And these he, people, he learns from things and it's like, it's not glorifying any of that. It's, I feel like these people <laughs> would be like, I can't believe how Jews were treated in Schindler's list yeah. as if like, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, it's like, pay attention cool. to this movie. Just wa watch how the Jews are treated. Like you'll, you, you'll look at it a different way. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no right. that is the point. Like, cause there's just like. Yeah, he is. he isn't people treating are people like that. Yeah, and that yeah, I well people even I know and it's a similar era or whatever but like Goodfellas and it's like how they treat their wives and women. But they're mobsters and they're murderers and yeah. they're disgusting human beings <laughs> and this is the problem where you love them and hate them at the same time and it's just like yeah, there's no subtlety or nuance to anyone <laughs> like there's no things are a little more complicated and yeah. yeah it's just so i highly recommend this um knowing that going into it you might even enjoy it more not that i didn't enjoy it because it wasn't what i was expecting but it's like sometimes you can get caught off guard um but yeah, it's it's a character study. Like, didn't really know what the plot was. There's a dance competition in it, but it's so like, uh, 
it not that it's inconsequential, but it's not the climax and it just kind of happens. And, but like the way that it's presented, it's like, it's not by accident that the things are done this way. Like if you're paying attention and watching it as a film and a character study, it's like, yeah, it's well constructed. Like it isn't a popcorn flick that I was kind of expecting it to be of just like, where did you watch this? Uh, I recently purchased it on DVD for Brenda because she has the soundtrack and hadn't seen it and was like, oh, I'd, I kind of want to watch it. So I bought it like, I don't know, it was for like Mother's Day or something. Or maybe it was just like, hey, I found this today. Uh, but it is on Netflix now. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's... Uh, it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> it feels like uh, Scorsese or something, like that kind of like taxi driver. Uh, or yeah, um, funny thing, saying it's like Rocky. So he has a, a Rocky poster in his bedroom, and then there's a sequel, Staying Alive, that's like came out five years later or something, directed yeah. by Sylvester Stallone which apparently is not yeah. as good, but I want to watch that now. Cause I thought that John Travolta was just in two disco movies surrounded by the Bee Gees. But after watching this and then looking that up, I'm like, Oh, it's a sequel. That makes more sense. Um, but yeah, apparently not quite as good. Uh, but yeah, no, this it's, it's got great music it's got good dancing, but again, that's, I feel like that's not even the focus of it. It's like a lot happens, but it's also kind of one of those, like no real plot other than like, this is a guy and he goes through a change kind of thing. Um, but again, the soundtrack and the, the singles from this soundtrack, it's just incredible. How deep is your love? More than a woman. Staying alive. If I can't have you. Shoes.
seven singles off of it. Uh, and yeah, Bee Gees are just knocking it out of the park. Like, <laughs> these are all their hits. <laughs> like, it's incredible. Uh, and looking here on Wikipedia, it is one of the best-selling albums in history and remains the second biggest-selling soundtrack of all time after The Bodyguard, selling over 45 million copies worldwide. Uh, That's not bad. I'm happy for them. 16 million, yeah, in the U.S. So it's 16 times platinum. Uh, yeah, all these songs, incredible. Um and then I realized in it, so more than a woman, that song always makes me think of Short Circuit because it's in that movie and there's a scene where they're dancing to it and number five says, dance with me, Stephanie, and they're spinning around and it does like the classic like when you're holding each other's arms and then it's showing one person's face and the other one's. And that's a reference to this. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, now I get it. I just thought that's short circuit. But no, it that is in this. And the girl in this is called Stephanie. Uh, so my life's now complete having known that. But uh, die happy. Yeah. Um, check it out. It's it'll it'll change your life. Um, again, I'm giving it a four star because. Maybe it could go higher, but it could be, it could even go lower. I don't know. Maybe I was just like so taken aback by that. I was like, I was giving it a bump, but, uh, I think I'll, I'll watch it, um, again at some point. And I think it even has a commentary, um, with John Travolta and the director. So, um, yeah, check out Saturday Night Fever. It's, uh. It's another uh, bang in music, but a little more serious than the other ones I've been mentioning. Uh, I watch, or what do I always watch, Adam? Every month or so, or what we watch uh, episodes. What's one what's one thing that I always have to It's gotta to watch? be uh Werner Herzog. <laughs> there you go. Uh it is a Werner Herzog, but it's not he did not direct it, but it's about him. Okay. Uh it is called Burden of Dreams, nineteen eighty two. And I've heard about this movie and I wanted to check it out for a long time and finally had the opportunity to, and I actually, there's a, something darkness, edge of darkness or something like that, and it's about the making of Apocalypse Now, and I bought it, and it's, yeah, uh, what's that, I don't think it's edge of darkness, no, I don't think it's, but it's something like that, yeah, no, I, it's, yeah, it's pretty well known, I, for, and it, it does have darkness in it. I forget the name, though. Yeah. Uh, this Side of Darkness or something? I don't know. Heart of Darkness. Uh, huh? Heart of Darkness. Heart of Darkness. There we go. Uh, I bought that, and I don't... It's not 
Region A or whatever the heck North America yeah. is. So, screwed again. But I gotta get one. I don't even think I've seen all of Apocalypse Now. I've seen, like, the first half. I've only seen it once or twice. Probably one and a half times, realistically. So, Burden of Dreams is about uh, Werner Herzog when he's making Fitzcarraldo, which I mentioned a few months back. Mm -hmm. So, Fitzcarraldo is about this guy that's obsessed with trying to get this boat across up uh, from one river to another. And it's like a mile and a half, but it has to go up and down a hill. And by boat, I mean like Mark Twain-looking riverboat. So it's no small feat. And this documentary is about the making of the movie. And I have to confess, I like this documentary more than I like Fitzcarraldo. Werner Herzog's insane. (laughs) He even talks about it, that he's like, I think I should be locked up. (laughs) He's like, the amount of effort and like everything going against him in making this movie, be it weather, be it politics of the areas where he's trying to shoot, be it uh, actors and everything and just circumstances and like, and then on top of that put he wants the live action realistic we're dragging a boat up a hill not a model so he's doing he is insane as his character is insane doing this crazy feat uh just completely fascinating so, so much of like it's that line of uh in lost world man went up Everest with no oxygen type of thing. Or, like, went up there to live. And it's just, like, so much of this is why are you doing it? You're putting people's lives at risk, literally. If things break, this boat is going to crush people. Uh, and it's just, like, yeah, it is insane, but at the same time, I kind of respect them. And it's just, like, you gotta do something. <laughs> and, uh, So, I loved it. There's little tidbits of crazy information that he shot, like, 40% of it. And Mick Jagger, yes, the Mick Jagger, was the uh, co-star in it. And then, with production and money and all this stuff, they had to move locations and restart the whole thing and then the stones were going on tour and Mick Jagger couldn't reprise his role or keep going so they re- they didn't even recast him he took the, that uh, character out of the script and it's just like bizarre and you're seeing like footage of the unused footage of him in this movie and it's like I don't even know what was going on back in the 70s and 80s. Like, Mick Jagger's in this weird Werner Herzog movie. And I didn't even realize that he would have been... Like, I guess he seems like an artsy type of guy, so artists would know about him, maybe. But it's just, like... It's interesting. But highly recommend. It's a nice 95 minutes. Uh, Just, it goes into... Yeah details of the tribes around them 
and their lifestyle and like a bunch of stuff and you get to see a lot of behind the scenes things about making a movie and whatnot it's uh it was excellent do you have to see Fitzcrawlo to appreciate it I don't think you do actually because you get the gist of it there's cer- obviously certain things because you're there's certain things like uh the main stars not all of them but the main ones you see like one of them's like a native in the movie and since the movie takes place in the 1800s or early 20th century then even the natives in this one in the documentary are more modern obviously so it's just uh things like that where just seeing people how they really are is a little interesting but yeah it's good stuff what was the rating (laughs) five (laughs) easy easy five easy five like golden eye (laughs) no way easier than that (laughs) (laughs) okay um so I'm trying to watch movies I've purchased <laughs> get through that shelf, that full shelf uh, that I have that's been accumulating. So um, the last Starfighter was one, Saturday Night Fever was on. Uh, another one I bought that's been sitting there for a little while, Big Game from 2014. This was one that, forget where I saw it, um, pretty sure it was secondhand. Saw the cover and read the synopsis and immediate blind buy. Um, Big Game stars Samuel L. Jackson. And uh, he's standing on the front He's in a suit. He's holding a machine gun, standing beside a young boy who I recognized from one of my favorite Christmas movies, Rare Exports, which is a, I want to say Swedish film. Uh, And synopsis, Air Force One is shot down by terrorists, leaving the President of the United States stranded in the wilderness. A 13-year-old Oscari is also in that wilderness on a hunting mission to prove his maturity to his kinsfolk by tracking down a deer, but instead discovers the president in an escape pod. With the terrorists closing in to capture their prize, the unlikely duo team up to escape their hunters. And yeah, so I was on board immediately. Um, I did not realize... This is pretty much an unofficial sequel to Rare Exports. It's the same director, that same kid. Um, the boy's father in Rare Exports is his father in this. So they're pretty much the same characters. And I think there's even another guy that's like one of the village people also from that other movie. Um so this one's obviously a lot more American, uh, having uh, Sammy in it. 
And who's the bad guy? Um, oh, maybe it's a spoiler, but uh, Ray Stevenson, who plays uh, the Punisher in Punisher Warzone. <laughs> um, and Victor Garber is in it. He's... You'll know him from Titanic. He's a Canadian actor. Um, he looks like Mr. Simons. Yes. Uh, and Ted Levine of... Um, what do you call it? Silence of the Lambs fame. Um, among other things. Such as Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so a lot more um, American, I guess, probably the popularity of that other kind of indie foreign film. Uh, this one I don't think is as good. It's pretty straightforward and it's like Air Force One meets one of the diehards maybe. Like... <laughs> Or there's something else I felt like it was like, but basically everything you need to know is in that synopsis. It's just like uh, right. Samuel Jackson is the president gets the president gets shot down, meets the kid, and they got to make it to safety. And the kid who's out to prove he's a man now, uh, obviously he has like that's his arc of like. He's kind of a wimp, but then by the end, he's, like, proved himself. And there's this big cheesy ending. Like, he's supposed to come back with a deer or something that he's killed. And, like, there's a whole ceremony, but he hasn't done that. But he's got the president of the United States. So it's, like, <laughs> that sort of thing. So it's right. good, but it's, like, it's not great. It's very predictable. Not a lot happens. Like, there's not even a ton of action that you would expect. Oh, cliffhangers, maybe what I'm thinking, because it's like same kind of setting and being chased out in the wilderness by terrorists and stuff. Um, so it's it's okay. Like, same thing as uh, Last Starfighter. I'm giving it a three. It's not super memorable, um, but it like it could have been a lot worse. Like, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, I knew what I was getting myself into and it's like, it delivered, but like, that's it. It didn't under deliver, didn't over deliver. It was just what it set out to be. Didn't go above and beyond. I would definitely recommend Rara Exports over this. That is full of subtitles, but uh, this one's at least in English. So easier to watch, I guess, <laughs> but Still fun. Um, at the end, it really hits its stride of like over the top kind of action stuff, but pretty slow considering the subject matter, like for the most of it, and like treats it with like this huge weight of grandeur and like slow mo shots and swelling music and landscapes and all that stuff. But like, it's not that impressive. <laughs> like, I've seen this kind of stuff before so uh but it is unique in that like it's that kind of crazy 
and not many people are going to have it on their shelves, so I'm glad I own it, and it is something that I could recommend to people and set their expectations a little low, but they could be pleasantly surprised. I'm uh, interested to check that out. Yeah. Uh, I have nothing... I have a little to say about this, but I feel like not too much. I watched, because it was on Netflix, heard about it for years, The Great Outdoors. I watched that not too long ago, maybe like last year for the first time I saw it. Yeah. It's not that funny. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't think it was great. (laughs) No, and it, <laughs> We're like the maybe mediocre it, it has a fake reputation that it's not as highly regarded as uh, I th- think it is, but uh, like there's a few things that John Candy does, subtle little like remarks or uh, like gym looks almost you could call them. Where it's just like, I like that. Uh, there's a GIF. Is it GIF or GIF? I always <laughs> say matter. GIF, but there's a big debate about it. <laughs> I like GIF. There's a GIF. You know the scene in Dumb and Dumber where he sits down, uh, Jim Carrey sits down, and he's just like shrugging and he's like, I don't know. And yeah. Like he does like, and. I feel there's a couple things like that in here with John Candy where uh, I love just when anyone does that kind of thing. But besides that, like, he's getting pulled (laughs) on the skis and saying, you bastard, and they think he's saying faster. And that's the greatest gift to comedy (laughs) and, like, stuff like that. And I am interested, though, because, like, Old comedies used to be not a joke a minute. It's yeah. just like a fun type of movie where it's like you don't have to take it so seriously. But it was almost like this is almost, I wouldn't say full house. I wouldn't be insult, but like there's elements of like, okay, now we're going to have the moral of the story and things like that. Where it's just like, what are we talking about here? Like, and I would say, like, Dumb and Dumber is not a joke a minute either. Like, it's almost consistently funny, but it's not a joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, like the yeah, characters, that's the performances. Yeah, the performance, like, that Jim Carrey thing, just, like, how he does certain things. But this, like, the only part that I actually laughed and went, ha, was... <laughs> The raccoon subtitles. I thought that was creative. And, like, I think it could have been even better. But, like, this is before its time with all the, like, Hitler subtitles and that other guy laughing subtitles and all these things that the internet is full of now. Where it's just like, (laughs) yeah, it it has a look who's talking element to it. And it's just like... Yeah, give me more of that. But everything else, or it's just like, all right, whatever. Uh, but yeah, the great outdoors. I would like to have, I feel like 
comedies nowadays that would be closer to the great outdoors are they've almost transferred transformed into dramedies whereas like yeah there's a couple funny parts but then there's serious yeah great outdoors is not a dramedy i'm not saying that but like yeah there's not yeah it's weird because i know the the genre of comedy and there are some that do work a lot better than this one like one that comes to mind both in setting and tone is what about bob right like i feel like uh is a similar thing where it's like yeah it's not a joke a minute and there is the one like comical character and then the rest is like situational humor because of him and but i think that one works more i don't think that's like the best thing of all time or anything but like definitely better than the great outdoors because yeah i think i was in the same boat i don't know if uh i was logging things when i watched it but uh i yeah i thought it was okay and i i also going into it i thought that the roles were reversed like i don't know if it's because of other movies but i would have thought that john candy would be the like thorn in the side because he yeah kind of comes off less like being that in a lot of his roles well like uncle buck and stuff which i don't know of that yeah i've i saw i've seen that one and then there's like planes trains and automobiles so i don't know if i'm just getting it mixed with that but yeah like i get um dan Aykroyd's fine like he is his own character like that's who the other one is right yeah uh it's just weird because it's like he could be just the straight man, but he's he's kind of doing like a SCTV character, or maybe not SCTV, uh, SNL. I think when he was on SNL, uh, uh, I forget the name of the guy, but they would do these like this talk show, and he would come on, and he was just like this really sleazy kind of salesman type guy, and it feels like he's doing a toned down version of that um but yeah i didn't i don't really remember much about it it didn't stick with me yeah i do not recommend rewatch something else good tip what did you give it two and a half okay so i'm gonna I had an order picked out. I'm going to go out of order now because this one I think falls into the same category, but is probably better. And maybe I was too harsh on it, but I had always heard good things about a fish called Wanda, which don't really hear people talking about it anymore, but seemed like it was a pretty highly praised comedy stars, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, John Cleese, Kevin Klein, Michael Palin, 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 um, which I have seen another movie that the four of them have been in called Fierce Creatures. And I love Fierce Creatures. So it's like, obviously, I should love this other one that came first. It's probably like 
five or six years before it. So it's like the original. <laughs> um, but I didn't like this one as much. But it is also not like a laugh a minute, but it is a smarter comedy, I feel. Like it's it's almost complex, but at the same time, at, once it hits a point, I feel like the plot barely progresses. Um, the gist of it is um, there's four of them planning a heist. So it starts with uh, a bank robbery. I think it's diamonds that they steal. And then um, they all split up and go their separate ways. But then one of the guys goes back and takes the diamonds. But then the two two of them are we kind of betray everyone's betraying everyone so they call the cops on him and then he gets arrested but he hides the diamonds so then it's like gotta find the diamonds so screwball comedy centered around that and then john cleese plays like his lawyer or i forget what they call him the barrister uh so it's, it's very british um but uh he plays the barrister so he's involved in the case so Jamie Lee Curtis is trying to like seduce him to get information and all this stuff. And, uh, it's all stabbing people in the back and hilarity ensues there. There's definitely funny things in it, but like overall I wasn't super impressed by it, but I feel like, again, it's one of those that like, had I seen it at the time, it probably was ahead of its time. And now it's like, there's been all these other things that have come after it. So I'm kind of used to the style and there's things that have done it better. So I didn't think it was like amazing, but it was still good. Um, but I do prefer fierce creatures over it. Uh, so I gave it a three. Interesting. Talking about very Britishness. Uh, have you seen Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy? It's on my shelf. <laughs> it is insanely British. <laughs> like, it's almost excessive. Uh, I think I got this with you. Okay. Uh, down there. Uh, pretty sure I did. Liked it quite a bit. I bought mine at Dollarama. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. I think it's a Blu-ray, too. <laughs> uh, I think it has commentary, so I'll watch it again for sure. But not exactly what I was expecting. I was expecting a slow burn. I was prepared for that, and it certainly is. But it's almost uh, like obsessively slow burn, or it's just like, okay... <laughs> Like older movies where you see people pull in with their vehicle, get out of the car, walk to the door. Not that that's happening in this, but like modern movies, it's just like, okay, we get the gist of it. They drove there. We don't need to film them driving there. Uh, so there's certain things like that where it is like just following people walking around and they are doing stuff, but very little. Uh, Interesting dynamics. Uh, I, I fell asleep, so then I had to go back and restart it. 
because I fell asleep like 20 minutes into it. Uh, and it, the cast is crazy. Yeah. Just like everyone, uh, everyone British is in it. <laughs> Any leading male British actor is in it. Uh, what, what's his name? Uh, what's the main guy? Gary Oldman. Is he British in real life? Yeah, I'm pretty sure okay. he is. Because he's insane. Like, he's the type that you wouldn't even know. Like, if you told me he's Jamaican, I'd believe it. Like, it yeah. doesn't matter. Like, he, yeah, he does I think everything I was surprised so well. to learn he was because it's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, he does play a Rastafarian. Right. <laughs> like, so it's like, he could try to do that. Like, I didn't even mean to say that. <laughs> but that's true. Exactly. Like, he is all over the place. He has such control. So, like, if you told me anything, yeah. I'd believe it. And, like, his Jim Gordon, it's like, yeah, he could be American. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. And he and his communist terrorist could be a Russian in yeah. Air Force One. Like, no problem. Uh, so, but by f- no spoilers or anything, but by far my favorite part, and this has made me uh, appreciate the movie in and of itself, but there's like a montage near the end, and the music that they choose for the montage, unbelievable, have it on my playlist, easily have listened to it once a day <laughs> since watching this movie. It's, uh, I should look it up. I know what the song is, but it matters who the uh, singer is. Just give me a second. Julio, or Julio, I assume it's Julio. Julio. Inglesias. Yeah. Le Maire. Are you playing that there? Or was I playing it? You were. <laughs> Do you recognize the song? I I know what it is because you said it in your review. Huh? <laughs> I know what it is because you said it in your review. Oh. But I, I, I don't hear it yet. Like, I can hear it playing, but... Is it French or Spanish? French. I assume French. I think it's French. Isn't Julio Iglesias Spanish? He might be Spanish. (laughs) But the romantic languages. Yeah, they all sound the same. They're all the same. But, uh, like, it's unbelievable. So somewhere beyond the sea. Right. It is the best version I've ever heard. Like... And it's so casual, like, it, it reminds me of, like, Sinatra in certain aspects where it's, like, they're barely even trying, <laughs> like, but they're just <laughs> nailing it. And, uh, 
yeah, it just gets going. So that was by far my favorite part of Tinker Trailer Soldier's Spy, is they have a montage and they have that music playing in the background and it's beautiful. Yeah, I'd recommend it. It is a slow burn. Okay. I have it. I haven't uh, thrown that one on yet. Um, you gotta be wide awake. It will put you to sleep. Yeah. And subtitles wouldn't hurt. A lot of British mumbling going on. <laughs> like, pardon? What did you say? Yeah. That's where I don't mind subtitles. Like, putting on closed caption is fine. I do that yeah, there, all the time. Yeah. One thing in it, uh, there's a lot of, uh, oh, what's his name? Gary Oldman again. It's just like, it's very, I don't know, British, not even, you know, at the end of Band of Brothers, when Winters is going for like a morning swim, right? And they're in like the Alps or not, the Alps, yeah. wherever, in Germany or wherever, uh, mountain ranges there. And yeah. What's his name? He's going for a morning swim, and that happens throughout the movie. But it's just like that'd be nice, <laughs> like go for a morning swim in a lake. Okay. <laughs> um, where do I go next? Okay. Speaking of covers, I'm gonna mention. Um, this is going a little off book, but I've watched a TV show that I'd like to mention, uh, in the past, since we last talked, I've blasted through the first or the whole series. There's only two seasons so far of the umbrella Academy on Netflix. Each season is only 10 episodes. But um, very cinematic, so I, I feel it counts for me to talk about. Uh, and really sucked me in. Great story. Um, fleshed out characters. Real things happening. Uh, and yeah, the music in it, again, incredible. And then uh, specifically, I even posted about it on Facebook uh, there was one episode, two different covers came up. One was uh, a Billie Eilish song, Bad Guy, but covered by a ska band. So you're a tough guy, like a rough guy, just can't get enough guy. And it first started playing, and I, I just, I didn't recognize what it was, but I knew I knew the song, and I'm like... Okay, this is nice. And then I realized what it was, and then I was like, Duh. holy crap, that's amazing. Um, <clears throat> and then later, almost immediately, next scene, there was um, a little more recognizable because the music's still the same, but the singing was in a different language, was Adele's, I think it was Hello, um, but it was in Swedish. Hey, hey, y'all. 
Finns det chans att du vill mötas och prata om det som var och vad som hände länge sedan? De säger tiden läker såren, men än känner jag. Hej, vill du lyssna? Jag är ännu i tanken hur det var att vara vi när vi var unga, du och jag. Jag har glömt hur det kändes. Innan allt gick fel, det är som skillnad Nu och då, varför blev det så? Really, really effective in the scene And then also just like, it wasn't that different from the original It's just, you know it, but different language um, and then there there's lots of other examples of like great songs in it but that was like that's one like halfway through the second season or so but uh even in the very first episode i had to look up the song there's a fight scene to uh a song called let me get the name right it's by they might be giants and it's called Istanbul, in brackets, not Constantinople. And this song is incredible. It sounds kind of like putting on the Ritz. Um, like, here, let me play it for you, because I'll drop it in, but uh, just so you can comment on that. Uh, it's just like, it, it makes me think again, I mentioned it before, uh, guardians of the galaxy, really good soundtrack, but like, it's not all obvious stuff. No, like some deep cuts, but then there are the odd, like, well, yeah, if you're going to have that kind of music, then, um, you might as well have that one in there. But like thinking of um suicide squad how they tried to copy that but they are just like super on the nose like this is a hit let's just put that in it's like Uh, ron howard picked their music for them yeah but listen to this But this is a fight Even old New York was once New Amsterdam. Why they changed it, I can't say. People just liked it better that way. No, you can't go back to Constantinople. Been a long time gone. Constantinople, why the Constantinople? Yeah, it's incredible. Um, so yeah, I uh, recommend that show. Um, sometimes we talk about shows, <laughs> but I liked it enough that I, I wanted to bring it up. Um, 
the gist of it at the start. It's it is you could call it a superhero show, but there's actually very little action in it. Um, there basically it starts off says like on this there's a certain day that I think it's like something like forty something women around the world all gave birth on the same day, but none of them were previously pregnant. So there's just like all these kind of anomalies all happen on the same day. And then this rich guy goes around and tries to adopt as many of them as he can. So he has seven children that he raises and they all have superpowers um, or all but one uh, are raised with superpowers. And then, the like catalyst for the show is like it's so many years later they're all they've gone their separate ways and then the father dies so they all come back for the funeral and then things happen so uh but all the characters are really good and like entertaining but interesting and there's only a couple people that are like well known um most well known is probably ellen page is one of the kids. She's uh, Juno. Um, and then the father is played by Colm Fior, who I always used to get mixed up with um, Victor Garber, who we just mentioned. Both are Canadian. Colm Fior's the uh, Bond cop of... No, wait. Yeah, is it Bond Cop, Bad Cop, the Canadian <laughs> cop movie? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's the French one. Uh, no, he's not the French. Bond Cop, Bad Cop. That's weird. I feel like the Bad Cop is the French one. That's a weird title. Anyways, uh, he plays the father, and he's he's pretty cool. He's got a nice mustache. Um, and, yeah, good movie, or good show. I uh, I blew through it pretty quickly. I was watching them on my lunchtime because I'm at home. So a nice hour-long show, sometimes less. Easy to just bang them out one a day. It's on Netflix. It's a good time. Uh, Keeping with my British theme, I figured I've watched The Long Good Friday. Mm -hmm. Just heard about it through people saying supposed to be like one of the greatest British (laughs) movies of all time maybe that's exaggerated but it's uh it's up there apparently uh viewed this movie uh it's good but it is not (laughs) amazing by any stretch has uh Helen Mirum in it and it has Bob Hoskins, the Roger Rabbit guy, mm-hmm. and there's just a few very important scenes, but very quick scenes. Uh, Pierce Brosnan is in it. Because okay. it's not even a spoiler, as a assassin, uh, you see him, you know exactly what he is right away. So, uh, and but yeah. Like, he's in, I would say, he's probably in the movie for five minutes total, if that. Uh, Interesting, but my main 
issue with it is so the premise is Bob Hoskins is like this gangster type of guy, mob type guy, and he's trying to do a deal with these Americans to get a bunch of money, and he's going to set up uh, all these casinos and a resort almost, and this whole area around this waterfront, and it's his big time of like going legit, or becoming bigger and bigger, and this is what he's been working for, and then there's all these attacks on him and his people around him and all this stuff, and that's the long Good Friday where most of the movie takes place on Good Friday. Uh, but my largest problem with the movie is actually his character, and it hurts because he's the main character, but, like, he's such a psycho, and I don't feel like it's believable that he would have this criminal empire type of thing. There's cool scenes in it, no doubt. There's a scene where he uh, is uh, gathers all these people that he suspects have uh, betrayed him, and uh, they're like in a meat packing facility, so they're all hung up upside down on the hooks, all alive. But he's all he's threatening like, ten guys there, and it's interesting, and then there's, like, a, a racetrack incident where it doesn't matter, but, like, there's cool locations all over the place, but his character is just, like, I, and they're trying to hide the fact that they're, they're under attack to the Americans, and then it's just, like, yeah, they'd find out, and obviously they did find out, and all this stuff. Helen Miram is pretty good, but, like, yeah, just his character alone, and especially because it's, like, The Long Good Friday. This movie does literally take place over a weekend. So, yeah, you can't... It's not that you can't have character development over 48 hours, but, like, he's turning into a cycle. It just... Like, the obvious thing to go to is, like, Vito Colleone, where he's, like, calm and cool, and Sonny is a hothead, and everyone knows Sonny can't be in charge type of thing. It's not going to work. And Bob is like, you're a hothead. So it's just like, whatever. It doesn't make the movie horrible by any stretch, but it was, maybe it was overhyped, so I... Went into it uh, expecting more. I would still check it out. It's interesting. But uh, it's not as good as I was hoping it would be. Was that like a film junk recommendation? I don't think so. I feel like I, I thought it was maybe that. Um, or maybe it was an old review. But uh, I feel like it was Frank or... Sean had put a link in a review and it was to a Bob Hoskins interview. Um, but it's just him telling a story about, I forget who's the director of uh, Untouchables is, is that Brian De Palma? Um, anyways, he was, so. he was asked, would you play uh, Al Capone? But I'm, 
I'm going to ask Robert De Niro, but if he says no, I'd like you to play him. So Robert De Niro did end up playing him, but then he ended up getting a check for like some huge amount saying thanks for like committing to the project or whatever. And then the punchline is he next time he sees him or he calls him up and says, do you have any other films you don't want me to be in? (laughs) So, yeah, I thought that maybe I had seen that someone. Yeah. It was something Bob Hoskins related. I thought maybe it was completely unrelated and it was something else they were talking about, but just thinking of him as a gangster, it's like I can, 100% 100% see him as Al Capone in the untouchable. Right. They, they even kind of look the same at the same time. Mm-hmm. Bob Hoskins and De Niro in that. Uh, so, yeah, it's funny because I don't think it would change the movie all that much if you did switch those actors. <laughs> like, no. it, I feel like Bob Hoskins would have been just as good. Uh, De Niro's still good, but it's like I feel like it's interchangeable. Uh, so that's funny. I guess he didn't get to do the better film, though. I don't know if they were at the same time or not. But. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I don't. I'm not crazy about the Untouchables, but yeah, I like it. Um. So one that I watched. Not because you just watched it. I would have watched eventually, but uh, I don't know if it was our last time or maybe the time before that. You spoke of Roadhouse from 1989, and it's on Netflix, so I watched it and loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think... it if was, you go into it with like the right attitude, it is. Yeah, because I I think I was expecting a little bit more cheese <laughs> to it, and I I don't think it ever really gets there. It's like it is a little ridiculous, but it's not too over the top, or maybe just I'm I know what I'm getting into. Like I've seen a lot, like most of the ending I know I had seen before. Um, You're saying it's not ridiculous. Yeah, I don't think it's like there are some ridiculous parts, but it's I feel also, there's like eighteen ridiculous parts. <laughs> Maybe just his character isn't that ridiculous, and it's the bad guy that's a little over the top. But yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> uh, another great '80s movie to add in there. Uh, I can't say much about the soundtrack. It's all right, but. Not like these other ones that I've been mentioning, but still, I, I give this one a four, and I'm not ashamed to say it. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, I I feel it does kind of fall apart near the end, where it's just like when, once he drives that monster truck through the guy's dealership, and there's no consequences. It's just like, what universe is this? Yeah, no, but that I I'm all four because he owns the cops. So it's like, who are you going to call about this? Like, yeah, obviously it's a, it's a crazy thing to happen, but in this town, it's not like anyone's going to be like, okay, buddy, you've gone too far. Right. Then they'll just like, <laughs> get taken see, out. But my understanding of like, 
Obviously, I'm not saying Roadhouse is trying to be a realistic movie. I'm not that naive. But usually when I hear, like, you own the cops, it's like, yeah, you can do things and they're not going to do anything to you or whatever. But you still can't do it in broad daylight when there's a thousand witnesses, right? Where it's just like you you can kill people and people disappear and the... Cops are going to ignore it or, uh, like, uh, dealing drugs or normal criminal behavior. behavior. And, but then it's just this one. It's just like, okay. We've but it could also the be. The news media, like, the, they have the local newspapers there. <laughs> like, it's a grand opening of a car dealership. And the guy just drives a uh, monster truck through it. And no one flinches. He could have got arrested, the driver, and then just let him on bail. (laughs) No, the certain parts, like, I I think I like the beginning more than I like the end, where, like, he's getting into it and all the rules in the bar itself and, like, And how he does things. Yeah, it's it's cool. I Uh, also like the bar owner. Yeah, you kind of think he, and I'm sure I've seen him in something else, but he seems like he is like a sleazy guy. Right, but he never really is. Yeah, I've definitely seen him in that role, though. You're you're just waiting for him to betray him or something. Yeah. But, like, he's just, like, legitimate, like... He's just one of the townsfolk. (laughs) Yeah, he's just trying to make a living kind of guy. But, like, when he kicks his, uh... Or... When, he, like, he rips out the guy's throat and then kicks him in the water. Yeah. There's stuff like that. And uh, you see uh, Patrick Swayze's butt a lot, and it's all clenched <laughs> and flexed out of its mind. No one puts pants on like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny stuff. Uh, I like the ending. I won't give it away. <laughs> No spoilers here, but I like the resolution with the bad guy, how he lets him live. But then what happens after? I won't spoil it. Everyone watch Roadhouse. (laughs) That's all I have to say about that. Okay. Uh, Have you ever heard of Late Shift? Video game. It is a video game? Well, it's like a choose-your-own-adventure movie. Oh. No. Uh, So our good uh, friend of the show, Steve, made me watch this. I was at his place, and he's tried to foist this on me many times, and he finally (laughs) just started it. And then, so it's choose-your-own-adventure, and... It was actually not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Uh, I don't know if it's free. It might be, but it was on an Xbox. I don't know if he bought it or not. But I'd recommend it just for that alone. The novelty alone of getting to choose what your reaction is. So the premise is you are... Well, you are. The main character is just this, like... 20-something-year-old, or maybe even a teenager, I figure early 20s, and you you have the late shift of uh, parking people's car, 
in like an underground parking valet service. So, and then there's crimes are happening and whatnot, and you have decisions to be made. And Steve said that he's gone through it like two or three times, and the decisions I were was making it making this guy do. It uh it uh it took some turns that Steve was not expecting that I <laughs> was able to uh make this go off the rails. <laughs> this movie go off the rails. Which was uh quite enjoyable. So I looked it up on YouTube and stuff apparently not to spoil it for anyone, but there's like seven different endings. So okay. it's kind of interesting. And the acting is not horrible by any stretch. It's kind of what you expect. But, like, just for what it is and the production value, like, is, like, they do a lot with uh, what they can type of thing. Like, it's not through the roof or whatever, but it's this, like, one-night movie. And I feel like it's probably, like, hour 20, hour and a half max. Maybe different paths are longer than others. I only played it once through, so it's kind of like a weird thing that you can rate this movie that has seven different endings and whatnot, and like characters are in certain ones that aren't in others. But, uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's something fun. It would be fun to do with a group, even. Because... It's just, like, people shouting out what you want to do. And then, like, you kind of have to muscle your way through. It's just, like, like Mass Effect or Fallout or whatever, where, like, you can change your mind, too. So, like, you can be belligerent, but then change your mind. So And then there's certain times where it seems like they're forcing you down a path where it's, like, do this or that, and you... I feel like both answers will end up in the same way. It's yeah. just like a little bit of a different reaction. But the fact that there's seven different endings, I give them credit for that at least. And that, uh, at least in mine, disaster struck. <laughs> well, I'll just, I don't, spoilers, can I spoil it? <laughs> like, in mine. I don't know if you can. Maybe you say what you Well, there, there's seven. <laughs> so I feel like. If you just I, I made, say the ending and not how you got there, I don't know if that's a spoiler. Oh yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I don't. I don't even think I could recreate how I got there. <laughs> I was all over the place. But the, uh, I managed to turn my guy into a murderer, and him himself get killed at the end as well. <laughs> Steve had never seen that where I got my you get yourself killed so I was quite impressed with myself but it, it's a uh, yeah it's a uh, something to check out see yeah late shift just type that into your Xbox it might even be free okay um that's funny because I think the last movie that I watched and you could argue it's a TV show, but I, I consider this a movie um, because it's not in the seasons of Black Mirror, but there's a Black Mirror movie called Bandersnatch, and it's a choose-your-own-adventure on 
Netflix. And I put it on because it was late and I was like, I need something to hold my attention. And I figure if I'm making choices, then I'll stay awake. And it did a good job. It kept me up a little too late because it felt like it kept going and I wanted it to end. But I did hit a point where I'm glad I kept going because it's like it kind of gets to a resolution sort of. Um, and there's an option to play credits or you can go back and change something. And I, it, or it gives you like maybe change your last option or go back to this point. But there's a lot of that in it. And I feel like it doesn't really work as well as a choose your own adventure because of that. Like it feels like you're saying, uh, it's forcing you to go down certain paths. So when it starts out, it is very inconsequential and I'm sure it doesn't really affect anything, but it has to do with the story. And because it's Black Mirror, it gets like really meta. And I don't think this is spoiling anything, but like basically it's about a guy making a video game of a choose your own adventure book. And it takes place okay. in the eighties. So it's like an Atari or Commodore 64 or something like that. So it's like crappy graphics, but he's basically taking this huge thick book that has like all these different paths and he's making a video game of that. But then he thinks he's going crazy. And this is where it gets meta. It's like he can feel that you're making decisions for him. So it, it's like you are controlling a character, but then the character realizes that he's being controlled and it gets even more meta than that, like as the more you go, but it's kind of weird because the first time you go through things, I feel like it does kind of force you down one path that makes you restart. And then it plays through the scenes like really quickly and like cut. So I think it's supposed to be like that. And it almost gives off this vibe of like, oh, this can this guy time travel or something? Because it, it gets to like this one, you could call it an ending, but it's definitely not supposed to be the ending. But I think he even says something like, I have to go back and do it again. And then you okay. start at the beginning. So then I'm thinking, oh, like, does this guy have like some sort of power? But I think what it really is, is like they're making some comment on like parallel universes. And I don't know. It's saying that doesn't spoil anything that you get to that stuff pretty quickly. Um, but again, it got really good once I was closer to the end. Um, and it does feel like a black mirror episode, except because it's in the eighties, there's not much like technology. It's not, it doesn't have the same sort of commentary that that show has, but, um, it's uh, really, it has the same feel as those, like basically unknown actors. There's one guy that's been in a few things, um, but the main guy, never seen him before uh, and well acted, like really kind of creepy vibe. But yeah, it was, I was enjoying myself enough, but kind of thinking like, eh 
I don't feel like they're really nailing the choose your own adventure because I felt like I was hitting dead ends. And it's like either end it or don't give me a dead end. Like <laughs> don't give me like redo. But then that that part kind of works into the story. So I definitely think I would check out Late Shift. Is it Late Shift or Night Shift? Late Shift. So yeah, I think because I'm kind of on board with this choose your adventure and I want to see how someone else would do it because I feel like even though it's part of the story that you are doing a choose your own adventure, it's like, it's a little too meta for me. Uh, It does pay off a bit. Like this won't spoil it completely, but if you can get to an option that just says Netflix, <laughs> then you're in for a treat <laughs> because that's when it gets like bonkers. And yeah, there's like, there were a couple points where it's like, I could, I could just end here and be fine. And then I went on and I'm like, okay, that was worth it. And then I did it one more time. And I'm like, okay, now that was even better. And then I just stopped because it's like, I need to go to bed now. Uh, I wish they did more kind of of the, like it catches you up to a certain scene and then you make a different decision, but it did play through a lot of the same stuff over again. So it's like, it kind of feels like a Christopher Nolan thing, (laughs) like because it shows so many things so many times, but, uh, it was fun. And yeah, like you're saying as a group, maybe it'd be fun. I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't if people are disagreeing on what to do, but, uh, it's it's fun. Uh, I probably won't do it again to try and get a different outcome. I don't know how many different endings there are, but I read that there's about like five hours of footage possible. Oh, okay. I doubt you would you would never get all that at once, but like I guess there's enough paths that there are some things that uh, you'll see that you wouldn't see otherwise. So. Um, yeah, definitely some things that I didn't discover that I I know I could have, if I'd done one thing or another, but, uh, I had my fill by that point. So I was, I was fine with just throwing in the towel, even though it gave you the option to try again or try at least a certain scene again. So it's a good time. I give that a four. As I said, that's uh, my average for this chunk of movies. <laughs> uh, I watched, have you ever heard of Water? 1985. Michael Caine. <laughs> Talking about British. I no. had a big British run here. Uh, so it's about... Michael Caine is a governor in some, I don't even think it's a real, uh, Caribbean island, British governor of this colony that's kind of, and, but like this, it's just totally laid back and no one does anything. And, uh, he is the governor, but then the British are gonna like, uh, disassociate with it or whatnot and then there's a whole thing about like is there oil there 
but it turns out it's water, but it tastes like Perrier, <laughs> like it's a comedy, and all this stuff. But Billy Connolly is in it as well, and he p- plays a uh, rebel fighter, uh, like a gorilla, mm-hmm. and but his one of his character elements is he refuses to speak so he'll only talk in song until whatever the place is called is free and it's just amusing and it like starts off with them like storming a radio station and it's like a Rastafarian is in there and they just start singing about their rebellion and stuff like it's ridiculous but it was quite a bit of fun actually uh and the plot is all over the place michael kane is quite good there's lots of dry british humor so that type of stuff was uh quite a bit of fun uh the one thing that i meant to look up so there's this whole thing where this rebel billy Connolly gets to go to the UN and makes his appeal for independence and the song's really dragging and then the band comes out to help him and in the band itself is Ringo Starr, George Harrison, Eric Clapton and I feel like there's others that I'm trying to uh, and just looking up like uh, I think uh, George Harrison had some money put into the production company, so he was weary to be involved in the directly into the film himself. But uh, like they took the uh, musicians' minimum for like all the union rules and all this stuff, and it was just like it was just a fun movie, like goofy. Uh, there's a whole scene like there's one of the jokes in the movie, like it's so dumb, but like. Uh, when they're singing their national anthem, they're doing all these movements, and it's all like different swimming strokes because everyone on this island is descendants of people from shipwrecks, <laughs> and it's just people that have showed up here, and it's just like stupid things like that. But uh, it was quite a bit of fun. I had no idea what it was going into it. I didn't even know it was a comedy. Uh, I got that Criterion channel, and the picture on it is Michael Caine beside Billy Connolly, but the picture, like, it's not a poster. Uh, So it's just, like, a screenshot, and they're not, like, laughing or anything. So, like, I thought it was going to be a serious movie about, like, water rights or something. (laughs) And it just, it, it, it kept me, it was way funnier than... Uh, the great outdoors. <laughs> so yeah, highly recommend. Okay. Um, I finally got around to watching Free Solo, which was recommended to me a while ago when it first came out, or maybe when it first came to Netflix even which probably isn't that long ago but um, 
or my friend Aaron, who's been on the show uh, for a physical media episode, I think he first recommended it to me and sent me a link of uh, an interview, or not even an interview, but like a, a video of this guy. Let me see, what's his name? Alex Honnold. Um, who, for anyone that doesn't know, Free Solo is, uh, well, to free solo is uh, a rock climbing term where you don't have any um, gear and you're climbing without a rope. And the concept of this is he's going to climb Yosemite's El Capitan without ropes. So it's him training and preparing for this and then um, him actually doing it. Um, so Aaron had sent me this video of Alex basically watching clips of, uh, rock climbing in Hollywood movies and commenting on whether or not it looks legit or what they're doing wrong and stuff like that. So, uh, I figured out some of them are like vertical limit. And this is the type of situation where each of them should be like, let's take one deep breath, compose ourselves, and do the right thing, which is never to cut the rope and cut your partner loose, particularly if it's your father. So that is, or maybe that's the, oh, well, he just died, that sucks. That might be in, in, uh, in the Navajo lands. But everything about this scene is horrendous, because, I mean, this is probably the worst scene in all of Hollywood climbing. Mission Impossible 2, which I think he said is pretty legit, and, like, Tom Cruise in that is free soloing. But obviously, it's not actual, like, for the movie they presented that way. But the stunt guy, and I think Tom Cruise is doing some of the climbing, actually, in that scene. And this is actually pretty legit climbing. Like, that's pretty decent movement. He's got cool heel toe cam. He's, like, rocking over his foot. I mean, he looks, you know, okay. His stunt double for all this was this guy, Ron Kalk, who's a Yosemite legend from the 70s and 80s. I mean, I think that's why, the, you know, they brought a high level of expertise to, to this type of scene. I think the reason I love this scene so much is that it's basically all there. I mean, it's real. I mean, he's on real rock. He's doing real moves. Like, it looks cool. It's just totally over the top. It's, like, turned up to 11. I mean, he's, you know, he's shooting a rocket. It's like, he could have just sent him a text message, but instead he's sending him a rocket. You know, you could have just Snapchatted him and it's gonna self-destruct in 10 seconds or whatever. I mean, it's all, it's all turned up to 11. It, it was just a funny video of him kind of commenting, saying, yeah, that's ridiculous, or that that's actually real and blah, blah, blah. So that's um, why I ended up watching this is, that was kind of for promoting this, I think. So it came out two years ago. Uh, it's a fun, little thing um and yeah i the only way i I could spoil it (laughs) and i feel like it was kind of spoiled for me because of the video but it's like you know he's gonna make it (laughs) right so i don't even know me saying that it's gonna spoil it but it's like that's part of the drama of the whole thing but the fact that it's come out and you haven't heard of like him dying. <laughs> it's like there is some drama to that, and it he makes a couple attempts. I think like one time he starts it and then kind of gives up at one point. And they talk about all these other free solo climbers that have died, and then like one guy 
while they're filming this, I think dies like he's not on camera ever, but they just talk about him. So it's like, yeah, there's real stakes, but you kind of already know the outcome because this movie exists and doesn't really like I already had heard or seen interviews and stuff and seen things about like, I think at the end it says he's the first one to free solo, but then there's been like people saying he's not the first, but it's like because of some technicalities, they don't count other people who have done it or something. So I don't really know the whole logistics either way, whether he's the first or not, it's still really impressive and it's fun to watch. Looks amazing because all the shots are just gorgeous. Um, there's some drama with the girlfriend. <laughs> it's like, get rid of her <laughs> because it's like as soon as he starts dating her it seems like he keeps getting injured because of her <laughs> I would say I did watch it uh, uh, at least a year ago now but I would say that was my least favorite stuff yeah with the, the whole girlfriend drama it's like I understand that is part of it because you are in a highly risky endeavor but it's just like I don't I should look it up I don't believe that relationship has lasted it doesn't seem like it would like she seems way more committed than he is and that's just his personality right so it's like it does seem real like I don't think it's fake for the movie no I don't either it's like yeah she not that she's more committed but he's like his whole personality he's more free spirited and even is like if I die I die but then she's like, well, it matters to me. Like, I'm still here. <laughs> if you die, then, like, I'll be upset. And he's like, oh, you shouldn't be. <laughs> like, he's just so nonchalant about it. But she, like, I don't like her. That, But I, I do like the stuff between them because it's like, yeah, I feel like the same. They're not built to last. And she doesn't seem to see that. <laughs> It's right. like, don't waste your time with this guy. He he doesn't really actually care. And I don't think he ever would. So unless he's like given up on climbing at some point in his life and is planning on settling down. But there's even like, uh, like his mom talking, saying, I would never ask him to not do it because he's the most alive when he is doing it. So I'm not going to tell him to stop, even though he could die. But it's like, yeah, that's pretty much where the girlfriend should be but i feel like she's not she's she is saying don't you're not going to do it again like even at the end and it's like no he's probably going to do it again (laughs) maybe not that one but uh still it's it's entertaining and uh i feel like it's not too long either um let's see the runtime Yeah, I had uh, recommended. I gave it a four and a half. I watched just, I think, Sunday or within the last week, the last couple days. uh, Only Angels Have Wings. This is a 1939 movie directed by Howard Hawks. What a great name that is. Uh... Starring Cary Grant and Gene Arthur, and a minor role 
with Rita Hayworth in it. Which, uh, so, premise of the movie is South America and, uh, this, uh, there's, Cary Grant is in charge of this airline, let's say, but it's not an airline like we think of it, but an airline that's delivering mail and doing things around, uh, South America at the time that... It all takes place in one location, but, uh, like, delivering mail, there's a scene where someone's sick, so he has to get a doctor over there, and all this kind of stuff, but that's the backbone of it, and it's very interesting because it's, like, a romanticized version of South America because it feels like no one knows what South America was when this movie was ma- being made. So it is like, uh, yeah, there's just elements of, it's almost just like, not a Disney-fied version, like where everything's pleasant, but I almost think of like the Jungle Cruise, where it's just like the adventure or like Indiana Jones adventure, where it's like, was it, there ever a time where any of this actually happened but it's just exaggerated so just think of like the palm trees over the even like swiss family robinson right think of palm trees over top of these little like hut cabins and lots of cargo boxes and stuff like that right like it's just like that type of world it's in black and white uh and my only issue with it really would be it's hard to kind of tell how much time has passed while you're watching the movie because you're kind of following kind of Jean Arthur when she arrives on a boat to this dock uh, and goes into this bar and the bar and the airport airport the office where they send the, the planes are attached and it's just like She's there for a while, so is she there for, like, a weekend or for months? It's never really clear uh, how much time has passed through the movie. But I loved it. It was... It only got better as I was watching it, and then I'm thinking, like, this is, like, a different version of Casablanca, where there's, like... Cary Grant is just so likable, but he's miserable. Just, like... Humphrey Bogart and it's like at a bar type of thing where it's just like you want to be there it just seems like the best place on earth to be where everyone's making all these comments there's so many good great side characters where you have like the nervous bartender and uh not the not in this one but that sidekicks and like there's a million dynamics going on and, like, Rita Hayworth shows up, and there's an obvious past relationship between Rita Hayworth and Cary Grant, and, like, Cary Grant, even at one point, like, he's a pilot as well, and they say he only goes up for the things that no one else will do, the real dangerous stuff, but, like, there's a part where he puts on his leather jacket and a white scarf, like, the most traditional, like, pilot 
looking thing on earth or you know what I mean and it's just like that's the best <laughs> like it's just like uh yeah people die there's a whole side story about uh this guy that is thought to be a coward because he jumped out of a plane while his mechanic was still in the plane with a parachute while they were going down and he died and that guy's brother is at the airport like there's a million storylines going on and it's just like it was so much fun I'm gonna rewatch it wish that this is a type of movie where it's like they should someone it made me think of like Murderer on the Orient Express I've not seen either one and now there's this uh Death on the Nile coming out. Yeah. And it's like, they should remake this. But I haven't seen those. So I don't know if Hollywood could make <laughs> this movie again. But like, I could see, like, a, even, like, a Brad Pitt or a George... Like, you have to have, like, a major movie star as the Cary Grant figure. figure and it would just be interesting. But... Yeah, I loved it. It was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it's hard to even tell. Like, so much happens, and then nothing happens. <laughs> like, they they just stay in this spot. And it's about trying to get this airline. They're trying to get a deal or a contract. So they have to complete so many flights so that they'd be uh, given, like, the... Not Monopoly, but given the contract. So, yeah. One disappointment is I looked up posters for it. Seems like it should have a better movie poster than it does. <laughs> yeah. I do, I, just because you mentioned it, I do want to see Death on the Nile. I did watch Murder on the Orient, Orient Express, the remake, and then I saw they just added the new one, or the old one to uh, Netflix. Which, Are they both on Netflix? I think so. I think that's where I watched the remake. We should watch both of those. <laughs> like, that would be a good episode, too. Or you've watched them already, but yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I at least watched the new one. And the I kind of don't want to watch the original, because if it's faithful, then it's like, I already know the outcome. Right. So the like, thing is, I, I don't know how I know, but I do know my non-avoidance of spoilers I guess but I do know the I don't know the death in the, on the Nile uh, yeah I don't plot. I didn't know either I just know of the character of Hercule Perrault right. uh, that's directed by what's his name um, Kenneth Branagh yeah uh yeah, he, he is Poirot, or however you say his name, the French guy with the magnificent mustache. It's a little too magnificent, I feel. <laughs> it's almost like a double mustache. It's incredible. Like, I've got the, like, curl, but he's got, like, one giant one, but then he also has it, like, against his face. It's it's bizarre, but incredible. Uh, yeah, watch it for the mustache. Um, that's not what I just watched though. I watched Twister. Mm. 
the famous movie about the board game Twister. Mm-hmm. No, it's uh, the one and the only tornado movie that you need to watch. Um, it's hard to think of how you could do a better tornado movie than this one. Yeah. It's pretty perfect for what it is. Um, it's pretty, yeah, just a solid movie. Great effects. Uh, interesting characters. You're following Bill Paxton, um, the old got to show up and get his wife's signature on divorce papers and then gets taken along for a ride chasing tornadoes. That old cliche. Um, but no, it's so it's so fun and at the same time, like, impressive, like, not taken lightly tornadoes and trying to be very scientific. Obviously, I don't know if it happens like this where it's just like one after another. Maybe it does. I don't know. But uh, you get to see, like, every variety of tornado in this. <laughs> And there's probably some things that are a little unbelievable over the top type stuff, but uh, for the most part, it's pretty believable. Did Michael Crichton write it? Yeah. I, he has a writing credit on it. Right. And it is, I forget if it's Amblin or if Spielberg's just listed as a producer. But uh, yeah, so it's got some good stuff behind it. Um, actually, I would say it's definitely top tier disaster movie. Yeah. One of the best. Um, the composer, I was looking him up while I was watching it and he had some interesting credits, but he wasn't, um, a name I really recognized so I got to look them up because I don't really remember what it was. Um, music by Mark Mencia. And he is known for... Oh, yeah. Okay, so he's worked with this director before. Um, this guy also directed Speed, which obviously this speaks to the quality. This guy directed Speed? Director of Twister directed Speed. Really? And it's the same It's the same composer. Guy? Yeah. Um, so he did that, but the thing that I found interesting for the composer is he's done a few Disney things. Uh, oh, and also Con Air, which is, mm. I, have, I have that soundtrack. That's a good one. Um, but he did the score for Tarzan. So Phil Collins did the songs, but this guy did the score for Tarzan and Tarzan 2, which I don't think is an accomplishment. Um, he also did August Rush, which is a movie that I quite enjoy and is very music heavy. He did your beloved planes and planes fire and rescue <laughs> i would say planes fire and rescue might be the superior movie and then planes 
is better than cars. I, There's a hot take. Okay. For, we needed a hot take for this episode. That's my hot take. Okay. <laughs> oh, I. They are both not I good. I don't doubt you. But I don't planes, dislike cars, though. The I first dislike. One. Um, but then the other, the big one for me, Tarzan's pretty impressive. But then he also did the score for Moana, which I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, he's also listed for, he must be like one of, um, what's his name's buddies? Um, Hans, Hans Bubby, uh, because he's listed as like additional music on a bunch of things. One being Days of Thunder, which I think was Hans Zimmer, um, True Romance, The Lion King. Uh, so what is this guy's position? Well, so he's a composer on those other things. I'm just looking at a music department and it just says additional stuff. Those are the only Zimmer ones I recognize other things, but like August Rush, he's also from music department for a guitar solo. (laughs) Which is pretty impressive because there's some really good guitar in that. It's interesting. It's, these are just older ones that I, I just noticed because they're at the bottom. But yeah, Days of Thunder, True Romance, and Lion King. He gets additional music. Interesting. Hmm. Maybe he's the, the real strength behind Hans Zimmer. Uh, but yeah, no Twister is good fun effects totally hold up there's only a couple things that are like eh. like the cow the cow it's like okay that's cg but it's not even bad cg it's just obvious cg like it could have been worse but like it goes by (laughs) and it's like i think that's a new phrase for our show could have been worse (laughs) a lot worse for the time i mean like it's, I think it is fine for the time. It, like, it's not too stiff. Yeah. It's pretty good that and it's, it's not moving. too shiny. Right. Like. And, like, the fact that they hide some of it in the wind and stuff, it's, yeah. it's good. And there's maybe one tornado that it's, like, it doesn't look great. But, again, it's, like, you're seeing it through, like, the windshield and then stuff blowing around so it's like it's behind a bunch of layers to kind of mask that but then for the most part all the other ones they look real and maybe they are i have no idea because they 
look that good. But uh, yeah, this guy, J- Jan DeBont or Jan, 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 Jan DeBont. Yeah, I love speed. Speed Twister, Speed 2 Cruise Control. And maybe that's when he lost uh, all the votes of confidence. And then The Haunting and Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life. Those are his five director credits. But he's got a ton of cinematographer credits on some pretty big things. So uh, I guess maybe that's his main thing. And then he's just directed a few things. But like he was the cinematographer of Die Hard. (laughs) Right. And Hunt for Red October. And Die or Lethal Weapon 3. So, like, he's done a lot of things, uh, but not a big director. It looks like some of his older stuff's all foreign. So, I don't know when he made it big in Hollywood. But yeah, check out Twister. I'll do it. It holds up. And it's funny, I remember seeing some article and it's like these these movies used to be huge or they were big when they came out but no one talks about them now and Twister was on there and it's like specifically my wife watches it every year around like in the summer around tornado season and yeah there's no reason why people shouldn't be watching this because it's not too cheesy I know I throw that word around a lot but like I like all the characters on their team it's got some recognizable people Philip Seymour Hoffman is in it it's probably like the first thing I remember seeing him in he plays Dusty who's kind of a goofball which is funny because he's pretty serious in most other things yeah I find even like the two things like okay the cow and the cow you see the cow again like, I think that's a good little joke. Yeah, uh, cow, but, another cow. I think that's the same one. Like, right. that's a fine joke. And that it's... is a fine joke that could only <laughs> be used in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and then even, like, usually I don't like it, but, like, the that's no moon, it's a space station. Is like, that's not that bad of a reference because, like, it is known, but I feel like, a lot of people still would even know what that is necessarily, like we do. Yeah. But there's a lot of people like it just goes over their head. <laughs> like not that that's some highbrow <laughs> reference or anything, but like you know what I mean. Like it's not like so in your face, and yeah. it's like an appropriate thing to say for like a nerdy guy. So like I feel like it works. Yeah. And then, and, uh, yeah, it's just that, like, and I love that the bad guys are in black minivans. Yeah, they're all, just, like, uniform, like, same, yeah, black vans, and, like, they've got all the technology, but then there's your, like, ragtag group of yeah. heroes, and they're all different, and they're playing different music and yeah. different styles, and, like... Who's the bad guy? Carrie Elwes, always. Like like Princess Bride guy? Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, I was thinking watching this 
he probably plays more bad guys than he does good. If you think about it, but he's more known for his good guys. Like he's Robin Hood men in tights. Yeah. Robin Hood men in tights and Wesley from Princess Bride. It's like, those are two like of the best, like adventurer, good guys. But then like he's in, it's more, it's a goofy character, but like he's the antagonist in like liar, liar. He's the like new boyfriend. And like, uh, I don't know, he, he shows up in other things like, uh, can't think of them offhand, but he always, he seems more of a bad guy these days or even not these days, but like he did those two as like the main hero and didn't really do anything where he was the star and just right. went to the, the bad guy role. I guess he was in uh, Saw and he's he's one of the, main guys that's like a victim but uh yeah he's good in this one as like you love to hate him he's just the smug like rich kid basically (laughs) he's uh he's in it for the money not the science so you hate him (laughs) yeah it's all it's like it's so it is full of tropes but it's like it's fine it's that's a it's a movie and it's doing its thing that's where it's like what, yeah, like you, you probably won't ever have a better tornado movie than this. It'd um, be very hard to. There, there was one I watched maybe a year ago. I think it was called Into the Storm, but it was just about maybe one big tornado. Or was I don't it know. found footage? I think. I remember seeing a trailer for one that was maybe. Like, all like security cameras. Yeah, stuff. maybe it was, but like it's weird because it's using different sources. So it's not like right. one continuous shot type thing. But yeah, I feel like it is like cell phones and then there's like the actual storm chasers and it's got that Armitage guy as like the hero. Um, what's his face from The Hobbit? Um, and then the girl in it is I think the only thing I know her from she was in The Walking Dead so it's not like big stars or anything but it was okay and it's like a more recent movie you'd think the um, effects would at least be good but it's like when the tornado's treated as like a serial killer like it's a slasher movie almost or it's like oh someone's gotta die that's like kind of what it was but at least with Twister it's like they are pulling out all the different types of tornadoes, it seems, but like there's not a huge like death count. No, there's not really. There's and a, I yeah, can't even the, think the of the tornado doesn't really have a mind of its own. No, and it seems like a real natural thing. And it's like it, it does do some things that make for a better story that maybe a real tornado wouldn't necessarily, but like it's not so far fetched and it's not like hunting them kind of thing like yeah. does it feel like that ever like it does feel like they are chasing the storms so yeah and it's helen hunt right yeah i like her in it and i also just like like how they lean into the wizard of oz references like obviously they call the thing dorothy yeah. but there i think there's probably a pile of other ones and 
it's just like cliches, but cliches done right. Yeah. So it's uh yeah, no, I love Twister. Yeah, so like I that's g- a great group movie to watch. Oh yeah, yeah. You throw that on and it's like you don't have to pay attention, you know what's going on. Yeah. So you can be talking, but yeah, visually very good. It's funny. Uh, yeah, I like Helen Hunt. I think she's very easy on the eyes in this movie. Uh, I remember having a bit of a crush on her when this came out. <laughs> I think we also used to watch Mad About You at the same time. Um, but outside of those two things, I have no real <laughs> connection with her. It's really just this movie. I think she's... Uh, a good, a fine-looking woman, and Bill Paxton is a good leading man. And yeah, four stars. Maybe it deserves. It could go up, but I feel like it's like it. It it's as best as what. It's the best thing that it could be for what it is. It's not like life affirming and like. <laughs> talking about human nature and all that's like things that would like elevate it where it's like I come out a changed man but it's like a perfect tornado movie and it doesn't need to be more so it's basically that's a, the four star is a perfect score oh boy <laughs> I'm embarrassed I, I just looked at my rating three and a half and I don't know when I... Can you see when you logged it? Uh, yeah, I find it so hard to find it for yourself, though. If I look it up, I could tell you for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and another convenient thing, Bill Paxton character's name is Bill. That old thing. I think I'm gonna have to rewatch it and force feed it up to a four and a half, five. <laughs> yeah, uh, Friday, September second, twenty sixteen. Okay, four years ago. So yeah, for September too. So yeah, like exactly four years ago. So that's definitely due for a rewatch. Yeah. I think that that has to be early letterboxed being overly critical <laughs> thinking thinking that I'm going to send a message. Uh I have a little bit more but not a ton more. Uh let's just go with Bill Paxton Edge of Tomorrow. Oh yeah. <laughs> Watch this with uh who did I watch this with? Uh, my sister and her husband. They had never seen it, which I was thrilled by. Threw it on. Kind of forgot how like long the first run through is. Mm-hmm. But then after that, like the editing in this movie is amazing. I don't even know how... Like, how do you even write the script? Uh, yeah, but plan it all out. But Edge of Tomorrow, Tom Cruise, 
Emily Blunt is kind of goes amazing. with our choose your own adventure. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Restarting. Uh, Emily Except Blunt you don't get any say in it. Is amazing in it. Uh, there's a kick-ass woman that not even a hint of me not liking her in this. Like she's awesome. Uh, yeah, the premise of the movie, they're uh, like, if you accept that this is possible, then you're on board. Uh, my only issue was probably uh, the ending once he loses his power uh, and the whole ending that that is not somehow resolved in a better way. Like, it it works or whatever, but I think it's also just the visuals. They tried to change it up, but, like, it's so dark. Yeah, I remember the first time not knowing what was going on. Yeah, like, the rest of the movie is so good that it really, uh, you can't really fault it that much for... Uh, that big, that bad of an ending. Uh, certain things I don't think make perfect sense that you couldn't get certain things done, especially if she is who she is. Uh, like I understand his position, but like, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, little nitpicky things, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Loved it. The action, unique aliens, never seen anything like that. Uh, the speed and like, I still haven't, like, it's so unique. The action and like the over the top, uh, mech suits and all this stuff, like great, great characters. Tom Cruise himself, the fact that he does have an arc and changes from a jerk to someone different is interesting, and his charm comes out into it all over the place, where, like, even when he's still, like, a weasel, he's charming. Like, at one point, when he's talking to the guy that they're teaming up with, and he's like... Excellent presentation, by the way. <laughs> and then he's like trying to get out of it and stuff. It's uh, it's good. Love it. That I just yeah, I feel like it's that's not talked about enough. Except here, we Except brought, here. we bring it up yeah. all the but time. I feel but like it deserves it's forgotten. to be. <clears throat> like if you say the best action movies of the last ten years. Yeah, and. I know they were talking about a sequel, but I don't right. know if that's ever going to happen. No. It's poor marketing is what it is. Like, yeah. people don't even know that's what it's called. But the Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. Have well, you that, seen the Live, Die, Repeat thing? Well, that's what's on my Blu-ray. Yeah, it's and it's in huge Day. letters, and then it says, like, Edge of Tomorrow. And I think they changed the title, and that's what it is. It's both. Right. But like it was, 
first came out as Edge of Tomorrow, but it's like I saw it in theaters a hundred percent as Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, and then it was like for marketing they changed, uh, and it's like I don't know, it's confusing because I don't know if that is the actual title or if that's just the way the box art looks. I feel like on the side it says Live Die Repeat. Yeah. So it's and that's not a good name either. It's Edge of Tomorrow is fine. Edge, you're on the edge of tomorrow you keep going back to today yesterday right. <laughs> like and whatever like yeah even it does make sense but even if it doesn't make sense like to, you have tom cruise emily blunt that is your movie yeah. like that's like ad astra what the hell's an ad astra oh you have a giant head of brad pitt on a white background got it <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that's what it is like why are you paying these stars so much? Because that's how you get people in there. Yeah, it's not, it's, yeah. Some executive marketing guy who was trying to make a name for himself. No, I'm going to change this and make an extra $10 million. Yeah. So at the beginning I mentioned throwing in some that uh, my child requested. Um, so one of these, I think she asked to watch, and we had watched it fairly recently, and I was already on board, uh, which was Matilda. I feel like I've mentioned it before, but it's, like, really growing on me as an excellent kids' movie, but, like, still so enjoyable for adults. And... Uh, I would say it's the third best Roald Dahl adaptation after Fantastic Mr. Fox and then Willy Wonka, but uh, definitely better than BFG. <laughs> uh, it's so good. There's certain things, I think, when I first saw it when I was younger, I didn't like because it's a little more crazy than the book because um, she's got these like telekinetic powers but in the book, I don't feel like she uses them a ton. It's just like she knocks things over and whatnot. But then in this, she's like going full Jedi, like things flying around all the time. And it's a little crazy. And I don't feel like they ever get like that in the book. But it's been a while since I read it. Uh, well, we're currently reading it, but I haven't gotten that far. But like the characters and just like the nuttiness of it. Uh, it's directed by Danny DeVito. And then he's also the father in it. Um, the family is so entertaining because they're just like the worst people ever <laughs> or not the worst ever but they're just terrible parents uh, I think there's like a British thing about that yeah it's because like Harry Potter has like there's and just I guess it's almost like a fairy tale thing like the evil step parents yeah like, but it seems very European or even British. British is like horrible. Yeah, and Roald Dahl is or was British. This movie's very American. Like right. it is in the US. Like they don't say it, but like everyone no one has an accent or anything and like uh but in the book, yeah, for sure they're talking in like pounds and kilometers <laughs> like things that it's like tips it off that it is british non-american but uh 
Yeah, no, it's it's fun. The characters are so wacky and like a little over the top, but like in the best kind of comedy way for kids. Uh, the principal's just like a psycho and so entertaining to watch. Like everyone's just having a lot of fun with this movie. <laughs> And I'm right there with them, enjoying watching it. So she requested that one. And then um, just to tag it on, uh, I suggested this for her because I grew up watching this and it was on Disney Plus. George of the Jungle. Right. I saw you saw one and two. Yeah. So the second one's also on Disney Plus. So I, it must have been like a Saturday. We watched George of the Jungle in the morning. Loved it. Still... Like, it's a little lower brow than Matilda, but, like, same energy of just, like, leaning into the craziness and a little meta. Like, there's a narrator that's, like, fourth wall breaking some of the time, and uh, it's really clever and, like, a little ahead of its time with, like, some of the things that are out now. But uh, it's... uh, Brendan Fraser is like a king of physical comedy and you appreciate it by watching this and then watching the second one when he when george is recast as some other physically fit white man who has no comedic timing or anything of value other than his muscles apparently we didn't finish it I turn it off because I'm like, this is not. This is not my George of the Jungle. Yeah. Like, Hashtag not my George. Yeah. And it's just terrible. And it gets, like, it leans even more into things. And it's like, now you've taken it too far while also just having stupid ideas in general and just a waste of time. And yeah, it didn't, I maybe got like half an hour into it and it was like, turn this what? off. Where is George of the Jungle from? Like, is he just like we're gonna make a jokey Tarzan or pretty much like it's uh, like, there's a little like cartoon song at the beginning and it explains his origins of there's like a plane crash and then the family's looking for him, they can't find him, and he's raised by this gorilla that can talk for no apparent reason and he's got an elephant that is a dog or acts like a dog that's the worst part of the that one is the elephant is like really bad cg uh but yeah i don't know i i don't know if this was like a comic or if it was anything before the movie existed or if it was completely original just like a parody when it came out but yeah it's basically just it's tarzan but he hits trees all the time (laughs) and cue laughter but there is like good jokes and like i said like the physical comedy um i want to revisit this genre of 90s brendan fraser fish out of water movies and see which is the best because there's at least three there's this because eventually he goes to the city and it's like crocodile dundee like Oh, this yeah. wild man's in the city. Uh, and then there's Encino Man, where he's an unfrozen caveman in the 90s. And then there's Blast from the Past, where he is kid from, or 
I don't know what when he would have been born, but he's born in like the 60s, I guess, and then is raised underground in a nuclear shelter because I think uh, nuclear fallouts occurred and then finally gets let out in the 90s as a 30-year-old man-boy fish out of water story. So very specific genre for him, but I enjoy all three of those movies and couldn't tell you which is the best, but... I've seen the... uh I haven't seen the caveman one. I've seen the other one. Blast from the Past. Their title font is a direct ripoff of Seinfeld. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's pretty close. I feel like Fast, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is the same, though, mm-hmm. which might have been before Seinfeld. Uh, yeah, no, that, yeah, that one's do, good. We should do that, and we should do um, The Mummy. Yeah, definitely The Mummy. Um, which is funny because it's like that has comedy in it, but it's not like a straight up comedy. It's like George of the Jungle, it shows his like athleticism and comedy, but more on the comedy side. And then The Mummy, it's like more of the action adventure side with a little bit of comedy. But yeah. Right. I love me some Brendan Fraser. Uh, and I'll just briefly mention it because talking about him and kind of related to Umbrella Academy. I watched the first episode of Doom Patrol, which Brendan Fraser is in. I, or no, I think I watched the first two. I I will not be getting into that show. (laughs) I gave it a chance. It's the same sort of superhero team TV show, really wacky stuff, but like could not hold my interest. It feels like it's trying too hard. Are you done? I'm done with those, but I have one more thing. Do you have to talk your about. big one to talk about? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't I'll have just, to be huge, but No, but you I, can talk about it. I'll just quickly say have you seen Deja Vu? Yeah, I I saw it when it probably first came out on video. Okay. Rewatch Deja Vu with our friend Steve. Love Deja Vu. Love Denzel Washington. Love Paula Patton in this movie. Love Val Kilmer. Love this movie. Great movie. Wacky. Again, there's certain things that are... It's like if you accept where it's about, you're on board, and you can have fun with it. It doesn't make any sense, but that's fine. Uh, just accept the premise and go with it. Visually, awesome. Tony Scott, a master. Love the guy. Adam, we're saving this for last. <laughs> Hit did, me with it. I didn't have it last on my list, but it just ended up this way. But I did watch 2020's Disney Plus original meant for theaters Mulan live action remake um give it to me I will confess I did not pay $30 for this <laughs> uh it was provided to me by someone else but I loved it and I'm seeing a lot of reviews that are saying it's no good. 
it's it it's not the same as the original blah 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 boohoo give me the songs uh i'm fine with the original i like it i like the songs love a few of the songs in fact but this live action remake is a remake and it's not shot for shot like the Lion King almost is. It is the same story. Like you can't really stray much from the basic premise of girl steps in to take her father's place in the army, dresses up as a boy and saves China. Uh, It nails that story. But it is a retelling, and it even begins with uh, narration by her father and says, there's many versions of this story, and this one's mine, which I feel like is ripped off from another movie. But uh, he basically says that, and um, yeah, it goes into this. It's pretty close to the original in a lot of ways. There's a few little changes, like... I'm, I've never really been a fan at the beginning of the cartoon with the matchmaker. Like, it's all right, but, like, it's really cartoony. In this one, it's like they do a similar scene where she's all dolled up and whatever, and uh, some not-as-wacky hijinks happen, but, like, she, th- things go awry there. Uh, she has a younger sister in this one, so it's like there's a bit of a different element to her character because um, she's kind of not protective of the sister, but she's looking out for her in a lot of ways. So, uh, but yeah, like I, I thought it was great. Like a lot of the time watching it, I was forgetting I was watching a Disney movie. Like it didn't feel like, it was trying to be the Disney Mulan. Like it was just a Chinese movie. Like that's what it felt like. And uh, it wasn't like crazy over the top, like lots of Kung Fu type stuff. But like there is um, this added element of her chi and like you'll see in the trailer there's like guys running up walls and like other kind of magical type things and it's like i watch a lot of the like eastern movies like i'm big into that genre i don't like own a ton but like there's i'm definitely on board with them so like for me it was yeah, they're just doing what other movies have done. So it's not like too crazy. So I don't know if people just can't handle that, but like I thought they handled it really well, um, throwing that element into it. And it made it more of a fantasy of like, well, she's such a great warrior because she has this, um, she, I'm pretty sure it's she they're talking about. Uh, and it's like, because she's a woman, she is meant for warriors and women aren't supposed to be warriors. So it's like, it has a lot of depth to it. I felt. And again, from the trailer, you you see there's like the, the kind of a witch, uh, bad person, uh, one of the, on the opposing side, I forget what they're called, but, uh, it's, 
I was a little skeptical because like, okay, so now she's fighting like magical people, but like it makes sense because she's introduced with this and then it's like that character is like what Mulan could become. So it's like I really appreciated that because they didn't really spell it out. Towards the end, they kind of do of like you and I are the same kind of thing. But it's like leading up to it, I was already getting that before they're spelling it out. So it's like I was really into that whole story. And uh, yeah, there's there's good action in it. Um, there's no singing and singing would be so out of place in this because it is more of a like drama martial arts type thing, but they do incorporate a lot of the songs into the score. So like reflection, you hear a lot. to us all when they're doing the like matchmaker thing I think there's hints of a girl worth fighting for or there's one song during one scene where it's like doing just a little hint of it but like not going the whole melody so anytime those come in, it's like, oh yeah, this is good. But they never do it for the training montage, throwing in, I'll make a man out of you. And it's like, this is, this is wrong. <laughs> You're doing it wrong. <laughs> like, I don't, there must be a reason why maybe they couldn't adapt it into something that sound, that matched the sound of the score. I don't know, but I think they could have done it and they chose not to, but, uh, yeah, it's it's great. Like I love it, and uh, it's one of the best. It's hard to say if it's the best because I'd like the Jungle Book a lot, but definitely one of the best of these remakes. And I think I've seen them all. I, I really like Jungle Book, and I really like Dumbo. But I would say Jungle Book's probably better than Dumbo. Well, uh, I have to. I don't. It, it, there's so many of them now. It'd be hard to do a whole episode. It'd yeah. Be multiple. We need to do like a two-parter because it would be. Yeah. If we were discuss. going into each of them, then yeah, it would be a long one. But if we were just ranking them and briefly talking about them. Yeah. I've only thing. seen, not counting 101 Dalmatians, uh, but this new era of them. I've seen Jungle Book and Cinderella and I saw Jungle Book in theaters I saw Cinderella on Netflix I kind of like Cinderella 
I like it better than the cartoon, but I'm not a big fan of the cartoon to begin with. So. I like, uh, what's it called? Like, Ever After. So, like, it has, I like that story. So, it, and it seems like just that alone, it has that advantage of being like, oh, well, we've seen other fairy tales or medieval movies, right? So just to have, like, not that it's the same thing, but Robin Hood and stuff, like, we see medieval movies, so it's just, like, the princess movie, like, it seemed fine. Uh, I don't know if I've seen any of the other ones. Probably have, I'm trying to think. But I know I've not seen Lion King, Aladdin, Dumbo, Mulan... But I will try to. I Beauty was. And the Beast. I would have probably Beauty and the Beast. I almost don't want to see. Uh, <laughs> the other ones, I'm not actively not seeing them. I'm just indifferent. Uh, but I'll, I was. I would have probably saw Mulan if this Corona didn't hit. Yeah, it was, it's weird because it. <laughs> It seems like they really should have just waited and put it out in theaters. Right. Um, but having just seen Tenet and the turnout for that, it's like maybe they are making more money at home because it seems like a lot of people are watching it. Uh, but like seeing it in theaters, like that would have been a good show. And I feel like it, it, it seems like they made it for 3D. Like it, right. pro- it would have been released in three days. Not over the top gimmicky, but just some of the stuff in it. But one thing I will say, it's not a kids movie. It's not scary and it's not like bloody violent or anything. But like, I could see a kid being bored with this. And in fact, we watched it as a family, and Alexis it was into it for the beginning. But we were sitting and we were eating. And then once the food was consumed and she was roaming around, it was, she was just not into it. She was, she was kind of into it. Like she'd be like dancing or fighting in front of the screen because of what's going on. But it's like, get out of the way. We're trying to watch it. Like, and, uh, my, uh, my brother-in-law commented the same thing on my Facebook post about it. So, we weren't alone in having a uh, five-year-old lose interest uh, toward the end. So, but yeah, for me, I I gave it four and a half stars because I, that, I thought it was great. Like, uh, I will reserve judgment till I see it. I am. I will say I don't think I'm going to hate it. I don't want to hate it. I was hoping to see it, but hearing other people's reviews I think to give yourself credit I think critics are saying it's not that bad and audience scores are saying it's bad yeah because I think everyone's going in wanting the cartoon and it's not the cartoon yeah get over yourself but like it you can have both what they made and they didn't advertise it as that either so it'd be that would be the other thing if they advertised it wrong and uh yeah yeah i think the acting's all great 
um, well cast. Like, there's lots of good stuff in it. Like, and yeah, there's like kind of references or uh, things that do happen a lot, like the cartoon and like lines that they'll use and those are all appreciated but not like too winking at the camera right like there is a scene where she's in the water like fine taking a bath like there's a good joke with like everyone hit the showers and she's like uh not gonna do that but then they're like we need someone to volunteer for guard duty and she's like immediately says i'll do it and then there's like the joke later it's like you need to stop taking guard duty and have a shower. You stink. And then that's when she finally goes into the the lake. They don't do the same thing with like everyone rushing by her. Like it's not a cartoon and like that kind of goofy humor, but it, there is like her still trying to hide from, I think only one guy comes and she's just trying to like not be seen. But yeah, there's stuff like that. And like, it's yeah it's not it's a retelling of the story it's not a remake per se of that cartoon so if you can disconnect your mind even though there's these references to it that like for me elevate it but like yeah just go in not expecting it to be mushu the like fast talking dragon as a sidekick it's just her and it's a serious movie like it's it's fine like (laughs) doesn't have to be the cartoon like i think i like it more than the cartoon yeah now now you're getting crazy (laughs) well i think i i've never thought that highly of the cartoon overall uh like i like it and i i like the music like i said i love certain songs but i would rather watch this one i think um and this isn't a spoiler, but it was appreciated at the very end. There was a Ming-Na Wen cameo. She's the voice of Mulan. Mm-hmm. And she's just there for, like, introducing her to the emperor. It's like, Fa Mulan. Or, they don't say Fa Mulan. They say, like, Hua Mulan. So maybe that's, like, the more <laughs> accurate uh, of what the actual name was. But it's... It's easier just for us white people to say Fa Mulan. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so I recommend it, but as I said, I didn't pay the 30 bucks. Um, but I'll buy it when it comes out. I, I would have anyways buy it on Blu-ray. So I'll pay my 30 bucks then. <laughs> Sounds good. And that's it. That is what we watched in the summer. That's the year. Uh, join us next year for such episodes as The Mummy Robin and Submarines Brendan Fraser Fish Out of Water many many more thank you for uh, downloading the show for listening this far for putting up with us for supporting us or never emailing us, even when we ask you to. Um, it's a very one-sided relationship. Yeah. It's lonely being a celebrity. Uh, yeah. 
we'll keep doing it until they stop us. So far, there haven't been protests, so I take it as a good sign. And that's the way it was. Yeah.